Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is being recorded and broadcast live on August 15th, 2018 at 9.04 p.m. A bit of technical difficulties tonight in two ways. Uh, my computer was having a little trouble connecting to the radio server, which uh, made the show a bit late tonight. And then uh, I-, I guess... The good and bad news involves the free roll. The good news is despite starting so late, I don't have to announce that the free roll has already started because there's not going to be a free roll tonight. The free roll computer has broken. Yes, the free roll computer is not located where I am. It's actually not even located in the same country as me. It is in England. It's run by Belly Buster, who's a listener to the show and poster on the Poker Fraudler forum. He very generously runs that and manages the room. Unfortunately, today he found that the computer basically crapped out. The computer has crashed. It has a hardware problem, and the it'll be fixed, but we're not sure when. So definitely tonight there's no free roll, and uh, next week is in question as well. I'll keep you guys updated on this. Uh, I'll even see if I can perhaps obtain the poker room temporarily and run it myself, at least uh, during the time the show is running. So maybe we can get like a makeshift poker room up for next week. Maybe not. I'll see. I do apologize. We usually have the free roll, and I know a lot of you really enjoy it. I know even a few of you need to win it. Otherwise, you won't be able to pay rent. So... This is why you should not count on a small stakes poker free roll to keep your head above water. Because one of these days, you're going to drown, if that's the case. (laughs) Because uh, it's not here. It's not going to be here today. may not be here for a while. But the free roll is important to me. You know, I think the computer actually listened to Adam Schwartz, who we had on last week. Adam Schwartz suggested we get rid of the free roll because it wastes too much time during the show. He was complaining that I take too much time every week saying basically the same thing about it, and he's tired of it. <laughs> and He suggested that uh, we just get rid of the free roll to solve that problem. So I guess the computer heard that and got rid of itself. It committed suicide. So Adam, you got your wish. There's not going to be any free roll instructions this week or maybe not even for the immediate foreseeable future. I wonder if this is going to affect our listenership. I think we have some people that mainly listen because they're playing the free roll anyway. So they just can't stay away from the allure of the free money and the relatively small number of players. So they start playing it. They go, well, okay, now that I have it on, I might as well turn on the show. Now we don't have that. So I wonder if our ratings will suffer now that we don't have free roll money to bribe people with. It was going to be $165 tonight, too, thanks to Eric Benzamokin and a few others, but it's not going to happen. So, prepare to enjoy this show with no free roll. (laughs) Of course, most of you listen in the archives anyway, so it won't affect you. I'm kind of feeling like the show lost a big piece of it, but the truth is it really didn't, because most of you don't listen at a time you could play the free roll anyway. So, I'll I'll just go with that. I'll just... Act like it doesn't affect most of you and move forward. If you want to call into the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. There's also the Mount Charleston line 
another, a separate number into the show. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. It's located in a cabin at the top of Mount Charleston. It's an old 70s rotary phone. Forwards to me wherever I go. We also have the call to listen line, which is a number you can use to listen to the show. It's not a call-in line, so you can't talk to us, but you can listen to us. You can listen to the live show. You can listen to one of our streaming reruns where we're not, when we're not live, it will just pick a random show and run it. And you'll just call in and hear it in progress as if it's live. It'll do that over and over and over again until we return live on the air. That's the call to listen line. Does not require a smartphone. Does not require a data plan. Does not require any of that stuff. No computer. No internet. None of that is needed. Just any phone, any old-fashioned phone or new phone, any phone you've ever had that can dial and still works, you can listen to the show. Best yet, it never buffers. Never buffers. It's it's the one way to listen to the show in kind of a streaming live fashion and never have to worry about buffering no matter how weak your signal is. It's also perfect for driving around where you may not have a very good cell phone signal. You know, may not be enough to do streaming, but it's enough to make a phone call. It's great to use the line for that too. The phone number is 605 315. I'm messing this up. Let me try it again. 605-313-0736. I'm not used to that number because we had the number changed on us. 605-313-0736 is the call to listen line. You can call at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and either hear the live show or our streaming reruns. You can always catch archives of our show by going to your favorite platform to listen to podcasts. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and now Radio Public. You can also download uh, the MP3 or play the MP3 of this show directly from the Poker Fraud Alert server. And iPhones and iPads can do that without any kind of other software. It just it just works. So that's the easiest way to listen with an iPhone or iPad. But, uh, of course, you can use these other methods, too. So to find whatever method of listening appeals to you, just go to the radio tab on PokerFraudAlert.com, scroll down to Archives, and click on the appropriate little picture that will lead you to whichever method you want to listen to. Radio Public, by the way, supposedly will pay me for each listener. So if you, if you can't decide upon one to use, use Radio Public, because supposedly I'll get a little bit of money from it. Speaking of getting me a little bit of money, just want to mention, if you have anything to buy on Amazon, please scroll down to any screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. I don't care where you are on the site. Scroll down to the bottom. You will see an Amazon banner. All you have to do is click on that banner before you buy something at Amazon. It has to be you know, the same browser session. You can't click on it and buy something two days later. But uh, when you're about to buy, scroll down. Click on the Amazon banner. It'll take you to Amazon.com, and then just purchase what you want to purchase, and I will get a commission of 3 to 6% of whatever you buy. I will not be able to see who you are. So no matter what embarrassing item you buy, even though I'll see the item, I won't see who bought it, and there's no way for me to find it out. So this is a program run by Amazon. Many other sites do it, just a way to give back to the show. And guess what? The prices are the exact same. It's not like it raises your price by 3%. Uh, the price is the exact same that you would have paid if you had not done so. The only difference is I get a little bit of the profits. Why am I asking for this? Well, just because this is run 
for free at a loss. We have no sponsors. We usually don't have sponsors. And uh, if you appreciate what I bring to you here, then please support it. So at least I can break even. At least I don't have to have my Jew wallet be thinner at the end of each year from running this site, as it has been. It has been thinner at the end of each year. Not like way thinner, but it's been thinner. So if you do enjoy the entertainment that I bring you every week and that the forum brings you, uh, please do something like that, especially things that don't cost you any money. So if you want to chat during the live show, you can go to the chat room. You need a Flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhone or iPads. You also need a form account in good standing to get into the chat room. If you try to call into the show while we're on live and I don't answer, don't hammer me with phone calls. Just be patient, and I will take your call, especially if I announce that I'm taking calls. That's a good time to call. Otherwise, I'll try back in about 15 minutes. If you hammer me with call after call after call, I will probably block your number. And I may forget to unblock you. Just don't do it. It's it's bothersome to see the same number pop up over and over and over again because I get a little pop-up on my screen. And uh, if I seem distracted sometimes when doing the show, that's sometimes what's going on is someone just making this annoying thing pop up over and over and over again. And uh, eventually I'll just block it to prevent that from occurring. See if I can find Trader Ruski. I'm sure Cal Watt's asleep, though you never know. He may pop up. Uh, it appears last week he got a home setup working for the show. For a while, he was only coming onto the show if he could do it from his barn. And that made him not come on as much because he'd wake up in the middle of the night and go, well, I'd kind of like to go on the show, but I don't feel like going out into the barn. Well, no, 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 I see Cal Watt. He just logged in. Okay, maybe we will find him. Maybe he'll find us. I usually make contact with Trader Ruski before the show, but for some reason, I forgot to today. That's my fault. So I'll see if he's interested in coming on. We'll see if Calwatt's interested in coming on. I, I did see he logged in. I did see he logged in, so he may be trying to sneak by me, but I, I see him. That doesn't mean he's obligated to come on here, but it would be it would be nice. It would be nice. I always enjoy having him on here. I'm looking at the chat room right now. Uh, Forum Wars. Oh, I think I think he just bought something. <laughs> he said, "You're welcome, Druff." I think he just bought. Uh, let me see. I'm afraid to even click on this. Passion Lube's natural water-based lubricant, 55 gallon drum. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Oh. $1,904. I doubt he bought that. It'd be nice if he bought a 55-gallon drum of lube. Probably lasts his whole life, and his kid's life, and his grandkid's life. And I have a feeling he didn't buy that. If he did, that's great. If he did, that means I probably got over 50 bucks. <laughs> Who would buy a 55-gallon drum of lubricant? Passion Lube's natural water-based lubricant, 55... Why would anyone buy 55 gallons of that? You, you could be the world's biggest masturbator. You wouldn't need that. How? 55 gallons? Even 55 ounces would be excessive. I mean, think of it as 55 ounces, which is one 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 hundred twenty-eighth of a gallon an ounce. So think of 55 ounces of lubricant. 
you still wouldn't use that. I mean, maybe over a period of many years, but gee, 55 gallons. I, I see there's two fluid ounce, four fluid ounce, and 55 gallon sizes. Is that a joke? Is there really a 55 gallon size of those lubricants? I, I don't know. Now, now I just want to know why there's a 55 gallon size. All right, that's what I get for clicking links in the chat room. All right, so here's the agenda tonight, and then we'll get going. Some people sent me some IRS scam numbers. We'll quickly go through those and see if we can reach them. It's probably too late. I won't spend too much time on it. Early in 2013, I did a segment about a planned diet I had. I wanted to lose weight. I was heavier than I had ever been. I'm going to do it again. By the way, the diet back in 2013 was mostly successful. And I'm going to try to do a similar diet now in 2018. I am heavier now than I have ever been in my life. I'll explain why that probably happened and what I'm going to do to get my weight back down and what goals I have. Don't worry, the segment won't be too long. When I announced it on the forums, and people are going, oh, no, there's going to be like an hour segment on radio. No, I promise it won't. A career scammer in the UK who's already been convicted of a very large scam won a poker tournament there, but he found the bad news that even though he won, he also lost because the government took away all of his winnings immediately. Talk about what happened there. A negative free roll, I guess. Scientific Gaming, the maker of the Shuffle Master, which we talked about on a recent show. Some disturbing things we found out about Shuffle Master. This is not an update on that. This is a separate story that they lost a lot of money in court as a result of a countersuit against them, which was successful. I mean, they lost a very large sum of money. $100 billion. I mean, not, not quite that much, but a lot. So we'll talk about that ruling against uh, Scientific Gaming, the maker of Shuffle Master, and why they lost so much money in court. Two stories about MGM National Harbor. The first one, they used their cash game Bad Beat Jackpot Fund for overlays of three main event seats that they were giving away each day. Basically, if they didn't collect enough money to fund those seats they were giving away, they would take it out of the cash game jackpot, which I think is really, really shady. We'll talk about that. And if you play high limit at MGM National Harbor, that is high limit poker, uh, you might be choking. And I don't mean you're going to be choking because uh, you're in a big pot and you make the wrong decision and lose a lot, a lot of money or that you – you, you win a lot of money at the beginning and then lose it all back. That's not the type of choking I mean. I mean literal choking. People have been choking on fumes in the high limit section of the MGM National Harbor due to fumes getting in the room from a nearby kitchen. It's, it's a ridiculous story. I'll tell you what's happening there. DDoS attacks are now wreaking havoc upon several poker rooms. Not just America's Card Room anymore, which is still getting them, but Poker Stars and Party Poker are now suffering from 
distributed denial of service attacks. I'll tell you what's happening to them and what you can expect in the future. And also, who would be making these attacks? Who's behind them and why? I don't know for sure, but I have my theories. CG Technology, formerly known as Cantor Gaming, was fined by Nevada Gaming, the Nevada Gaming Commission, for accepting sports bets from people out of state. That is, you know, people who are physically out of state when they place them. And uh, other violations. I will tell you about violations they that were caught. And I'll tell you the amount of the fine and the justification for the amount of the fine. And also remind you of some history they have, something we discussed on the show just two years ago. Charles Oakley has avoided jail time. He was caught cheating in a casino. I'll tell you what ended up happening and how he got out of jail time. Female poker player Lily Coletto, fresh from her arm wrestling victory over Kelly Minkin on Poker Night in America. Uh, She's decided to take on two other physical prop bets against other girls in poker. She's going to take on the uh, muscular Danielle Anderson, and I really mean the muscular Danielle Anderson if you've seen pictures of her working out in, in a, uh, uh, a similar arm wrestling contest. And uh, she's going to take on Jamie Kerstetter in a running contest. And both of these seem like they're unwinnable prop bets. I'll tell you about them when we get to that segment. Arizona Talking Stick Resort had a tournament recently. When you think about Arizona, one thing you don't really think about too much is rain. You don't think about rain ruining your plans in Arizona, but that's exactly what happened. Flooding at Arizona Talking Stick caused a power failure, which in turn caused the closure of the hotel and the cancellation of an ongoing poker tournament. I'll tell you what happened with that. And if you did play in that, you are probably owed some money. So I will let you know... uh, how to get it. A Missouri bank robber bought into a poker game with special bills given to him during a bank heist. <laughs> he robbed a bank that gave him specific bills that could be identified later, and he stupidly used those to buy into a poker game. And he was caught. So I'll tell you that whole disturbing story. Finally, a non-poker, non-gambling topic. I want to talk about Alex Jones. Alex Jones with a popular conspiracy radio show. He was kicked off of Facebook, Apple's iTunes, YouTube, and now Twitter. It's called deplatforming. Basically, he was taken off the major platforms that he was using to reach people. Was this a good idea? Alex Jones was certainly no angel. He did and said some pretty reprehensible things? Or is this the start of ideological censorship where these big media companies are going to censor people and take them off their platform simply because they disagree with them politically? I will tell you my opinion of the Alex Jones deplatforming. So that's our agenda for this evening. Again, if you want to call, please make sure to call in between segments or when I ask for calls, so this way your ch- your call will have a higher chance to get through. If you really want to get through to talk about an ongoing topic that we're in the middle of, then I guess you can call then, and maybe I'll answer the call, maybe I won't. Calwatt didn't appear. 
Cal Watt did not. I'm going to check my text just to make sure that he isn't. Uh... Okay, we can get Trader Ruski. He said he's ready. Cal Watt, no. Well, Cal Watt, Cal Watt can come on if he finds us. He may just want to listen. I don't want to hold that against him. Yeah, he can listen too. He can be a listener. Nothing wrong with being a listener. All right, let's go get uh, Trader Ruski on here. Maybe with Trader Ruski here, Cal Watt will get uh, jealous that he's not on the show. And then he'll come on. Trader Ruski. What's happening, Josh? Hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Glad you're around. I forgot to text you earlier. Apologies for that. All good. Yeah, I'll, I keep an eye on things. Yeah, I see, it's all good. I see, I see a cow watch. Oh, there we are. I'm going to get a cow watch here. Let's add him. Let's throw cow watch on here. Cow watch, you there? There we are. Cow watch. Hello. Yeah, I'm just feeling a little jealous that Trader Ruski's on and I'm not. So I knew that was the way to do it. I knew God, it. here first for <laughs> once. <laughs> once. You know what this is? This is like it's it's like when a girl won't go out with you and then you just have to let her find out that you're dating another girl and then she then she wants you all of a sudden i i had that happen before i had that happen to me for the first time when i was 17 and i couldn't believe it that a girl who just had no interest all of a sudden when i had a girlfriend it's then the interest just spiked and, and boy did she want to be with me at that point i said wow i learned something new so i, I apply it to here even though there's no girls involved i can apply well, i it hate here. to burst your bubble <laughs> <laughs> but what, what actually happened is uh, my phone goes into Do Not Disturb at 11 p.m. So if you texted me, it must have been after that. And uh, I actually was already in bed. I figured there was no show because I didn't hear from you. Mm. Well, uh, um, but then I, I something was going on, like, oh, shit, you know, uh, and I checked to see if you were on air. And then it takes and then I was also thinking about what uh, Adam had said last week. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let him get through the fucking agenda <laughs> before I call. I was pretty quick this week, especially because there's no free roll. I know. So I, was, it's, I know. Here we are, ready to go. It's a dream, man. This is like Adam's dream. He's going to be like, yes. No I, I, th- I think it's in some way he, he caused the hardware crash of, of the free roll. That's what I think. I think he might have enlisted a uh, technically minded person to take it down. Something happened here. He, he says we should get rid of the free roll, and then the next week it's just gone. It is kind of weird. Yeah, it's the first thing I thought of when I found it. It was down. Okay, so here's some texts I got. You, I forgot to mention the text number. 775-372-8355 is our main phone number. Uh, here's a text I just got from the 505. That 55-gallon drum of lube is probably headed to Spring Mountain. <laughs> That's the, that is the street in Las Vegas where most of the Asian jerk shops are located. That's, that's not uh, a now bad that idea. is useful information, Ruff. Truff. That is something I did not know. Now, here's some, someone is trying to burst our bubble. Someone's trying to ruin our fantasies here. From the 704, not everything is sexual. Auto mechanics need the 55 gallons. Well, okay, then how come they also sell two and four ounce versions? It's two ounce, four ounce, or 55 gallons. How come that, that, that's like, what is that, uh, 55? That's like 6,000 ounces. Now, you know where they need that drum of lube, though, right? You remember that where they were setting the world record uh, orgy in Las That's Vegas? That's right. That's where they could have used the 55 gallons. Absolutely. So and they probably probably just roll in the barrels and open them on the floor. <laughs> Turn the whole fucking place into a big slip and slide. They have it set up like kegs. Yeah, exactly. Someone from the 847 
texted me. This is a person I always confused with Larry Laffer because they're both they both have eight four seven Chicago numbers. But this guy texted me. I'm having a Larry Laffer keychain made of this, and he actually is a he actually had a keychain made out of a Bellagio dollar chip, and he, he, there's a picture of it here. So the guy carries around a Bellagio dollar chip as his keychain. Five one nine asking anyone been complaining about the Poker Stars disconnects this week? Been going on for a few days. I see it's down again as well. Yeah, that's uh, a topic tonight. We'll be talking about. And uh, someone just sent me this screenshot of uh, something Raymond Davis posted. Um, yeah, that's I, I don't know. Some something about some sports betting group he runs. I don't care. I mean, I saw something about it, but I'm not going to bother talking about it tonight. Uh, let's see. So here's here's some scam numbers we're going to make an attempt to call. Probably going to get nothing because they either closed down or they're just they're not open at this time of night. But I, I just want to get a hold of one, just one. So I'm going to try two numbers I was given, and if these don't work, then. I will give up and move on, and maybe I'll have to pre-record one of these. So your scam number, the first one, I think is an IRS scam. Let's see what we get. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'll come up with something. That's how convinced I am we're not going to get through. It's not even ringing. It's not a good start. Well, since it's not even ringing, I'm going to prepare the second number here. Let's see. Yeah. See, I have a second number here. This one's not even ringing. I don't know what's going on. Call failed. Okay. So I'm going to try this one more. And if not, I'll have to try these when the show's not on and then just play the recording for you guys later. Not quite the same, but... I'd really rather make them live. Nah, see, this one failed, too. Invalid phone number, it says. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to continue with this. The chance of reaching one at this time of night is pretty low. So I want to quickly tell you guys about the weight loss that I'm going to be attempting. In 2013, it was Penn Gillette. Hold on, hold on, Ruff. You're doing some weight loss something or other? Yes. I gotta get out some potato chips. Well, let's do it. Oh, come on. Alright, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so in 2013, Pendulette was actually partially responsible for me really getting on my first diet ever. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a Lay's commercial here. So, Pendulette, uh, at the end of their show, Penn and Teller at the Rio, uh, they'll, they hang out outside of the studio and you can meet them. And then you can take a picture of them if you wanted. So I did that. And I saw the picture. This was taken at the very, very end of 2012. And I just looked really fat. I just said, this, this isn't how I want to look. This isn't how I, how I ever wanted to look. I didn't realize I looked this fat. So I decided I'm going to go on a diet. And I just, I just realistically looked at myself and what I could do to lose weight. And I thought, look, look the, mo- the s- most straightforward way to lose weight is to just consume fewer calories. So you end up burning more calories in the day than you consume. 
And I was looking at what was causing the weight gain and the, the culprit back then, five and a half years ago. There, there were kind of two culprits at the time. First of all, I was drinking high-calorie drinks throughout the day, a lot of soda, a lot of orange juice, just added up to a lot every day. And then the second culprit was I ate a lot of candy and other junk in between meals. So I said, I bet if I cut those out, if I cut out the candy completely, and if I bring the soda and orange juice consumption way down to where I just have one of each each day, then I bet I will just lose weight without any further effort. And these things weren't easy to do because I was very used to doing both of them. Uh, But uh, that's what I did. And sure enough, the weight started to fall off, and I lost 24 pounds within about uh, four or five months. I think it was about four months. I lost 24 pounds. Then I kind of stalled. I actually was trying to lose a little bit more, but I could not get any further down. I wasn't gaining it back, but I was just stuck at the same thing. So that's pretty much where I stopped. And I, I mainly kept to those same new habits I had developed. So I wasn't eating candy. I wasn't... Uh, drinking the high-calorie drinks uh, more than twice a day. And the weight stayed up, stayed off for a long time. I got a few pounds back uh, each year, but for the most part, uh, it, it was successful. And by the time 2018 started, because it had been five years, you know, I'd gained a few pounds back each year, so I'd gained back about maybe half of it. But the big problem came in the spring of 2018, when I had just eaten dinner, and then I went to bring my iPhone for repair at the mall. And while I was waiting for the repair, I walked over to Hot Dog on a Stick, and I got my usual meal there, too. Which, I I know you're going to be shocked. I know this is something that you would never imagine I would do, but uh, I ordered a lot of food there, because uh, ordering just a little bit over there is poor value. <laughs> so that's that's why I ordered like a full meal. It just didn't make sense to order like a like one hot dog. I'm like, well, one hot dog is this, but look how much I could get for you know, a little more money. I can get all these hot dogs and French fries and a big drink. So like, so I did that, and I ended up ordering like a full meal, a full big meal on top of the meal I had just eaten and not even digested yet, at home. So my stomach actually stretched. That was like in the spring of this year. I felt kind of sick at the end of this, like, like I'd eaten too much. And I came home and I told Benjamin's mom that I feel kind of uncomfortable from everything I'd eaten and I'm afraid what if my stomach has stretched and now I'm going to be hungry, you know, extra hungry every day. And that, that's a real thing that can happen. Look it up. So that is what happened. The next day I was very, very hungry. The next day after that I was very, very hungry. And the way I was dealing with that is I was just eating more. So since like the spring of, of this year, I, I at dinner a lot of times I'm eating the equivalent of two meals. And as you can imagine, that added up, and I gained probably about 15 pounds. So now I'm at the highest weight that I've ever been. Even higher than the Penn and Teller picture from uh, early 2013. And I decided that like early 2013, it's it's time to lose it back. So... What I'm going to attempt to do is lose uh, 22 pounds by December 1st with, with very similar methods as to what I did five and a half years ago, except uh, this time I have to 
well, there's one easier thing, one harder thing. The easier thing is the the drink thing because I, I pretty much still stuck to two high calorie drinks per day on most days. Sometimes three, but for the most part, I was having two anyway. So that's that part is fine now. Uh, but, but back in 2013, I wasn't eating these giant meals like I am now. I mean, I always ate a lot in one sitting, but now I really eat a lot in one sitting. So my plan is to just eat a normal sized meal. To not you eat. get any bets on this or anything? No, no, I'm not even going to do that. I, I just, I, I'm just going to eat a normal sized meal. But it's important to me. Like I, I decided, there's that. There's some other things that are, are kind of bothering me that I think could be related to weight. And uh, I, I just you get a you get a boner and it kind of just props up your belly like a pup tent. <laughs> at least at least that hasn't been affected yet. I can still I, I still can get a boner. It's, that's that's not a problem. But because uh, I've done uh, weight loss bets with some friends of mine, and we had some epic stuff, man. I, I, there was one time I went from uh, two sixty down to just under two hundred at the at the weigh in. Wow. Yes, but, I, uh, you know, that, that way in, like, <laughs> we were both super, like, cutting weight and doing all sorts of crazy shit. Well, that's why, you know? yeah, I don't want to do it because what people end up doing in these weight loss bets is if they're not at, going at the pace that they hope they would or that they right. bet they would, then they start doing unhealthy things uh, to, to, you know, basically deprive themselves of water, to, to lose a lot of water weight, a lot of things you shouldn't really be doing. I, well, I don't, we, we actually, we did it. The smart way, like I, I was doing it a combination of diet and exercise. Like I, uh, I, I never took my car anywhere, right? I, I bought a road bike and I just biked everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And I ate better too. The only time we did the, the cutting weight was for the actual weigh in because we were, we were doing it where it was, uh, it was a certain amount of money per pound. So we took the difference between what we had lost. You know, so yeah. if I lost four and he lost zero, it would be four times whatever the the bet amount was. Yeah. So we were super motivated to try and try and make it, uh, you know, a good weight on the way in. But, yeah, that- but other than the weigh in day or the twenty four hours up to it, uh, we were being pretty smart about it. Okay. Yeah. I, even just that, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put that much pressure. I don't want to. I don't want to be an additional stress in my life. It's hard enough to lose weight to have this additional stress like that. That. Because I'm not doing this, I'm also going to lose money too. Like that would just, it, it would be something I don't want to add to the whole situation. You're not going to like my suggestion then. I was going to say that me, you, and Trader Ruski do a little bet, you know? <laughs> little motivation, you know? I mean, for something small, it's fine. I just, I don't want anything that uh, would be. It's got to be at least something. a little painful. No, Although like, for you, for you, like. A dollar. Would yeah, be sure. Painful. It could be so, painful. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, I just you know I I just want to lose it this way. So so I just picked that out of the air. Like by October first, I want to have lost uh, ten pounds. But I, I just made that up, and maybe I'll get there. Maybe I won't by October first. But you know, if I look on October first and I've lost seven pounds and it's in the process of still going down, uh, I'll still I'll still be happy because I'll know it's going the right direction. The only thing that'll disappoint me is if I don't lose weight or if. Uh, if it stalls, like if it, if I lose a little bit, it stalls. That that'll be a problem. But uh, as long as I see weight is consistently falling off, even if I don't make these goals I set up, I'm not going to panic about it because I'll know it's not something that's urgent. It's just something I felt it's time to do. And so hopefully, as 2019 begins, I will uh, be thinner. Hopefully, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can lose 25 to 30. But if I can't, uh, I want to at least lose like you know 20, and uh, that'll get it back down to be more reasonable 
And amazingly, I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm now like uh, getting close to 100 pounds more than I was when I graduated high school. Not quite there, but close. But uh, I, I was very thin back then. And back then I could not gain weight if I tried. In fact, if I didn't, eat, didn't reliably eat enough, I would lose weight, which would upset me. I actually had to make sure to eat a lot to maintain my weight. So now we've got the opposite going on. And uh, five and a half years ago, people gave me a hard time about what my plans were. They said, oh, you know, where's the exercise? Where's the, you know, the, this is not going to work. You're, you're still eating high-calorie food. You know, why don't you cut out the soda completely? Why don't you cut out the oranges completely? Everybody had their ideas. And I said to them, I'm picking something which isn't that I feel will work for me, that I won't give up on, that's tolerable. It's not going to make me totally miserable that I think is going to make the weight fall off and something I can continue doing once the weight is off. And I, I think a lot of times when people come up with a diet plan, they don't think about a lot of that stuff and they don't tailor it for themselves. They take other people's advice too much and they don't think about, okay, what can I do? What, what is something that would work for me personally? And that's, that's the way I did it. So, but it worked. I, I proved the critics wrong and, and lost 24 pounds, which was just a little bit less than I was trying to lose. I was probably trying to lose about 30. I got to 24. And, and it stayed off for quite some time. So that's going to be trying. And I'll even give you guys updates on the show. Not every week, but you know, maybe if you get to Oct- around October 1st, I'll tell you if I, I really am 10 pounds lighter than I am during this show. Hopefully on December 1st, I can tell you that I've met the goal. I've lost 22 pounds. And uh, maybe by January 1st, I'll have lost more. So we'll give it a shot. Won't be pleasant. I mean, I, I like eating. I like I love the high-calorie drinks. I love eating candy. I just, I, re- I really like eating things that just are a lot of calories. I really do, and it's, and I like eating a whole lot in one meal. It's like, it's, it's easy to say you're going to do it, but then to do it every single day, day in day out, can be hard. Though I remember from five and a half years ago, I kind of got used to it. At first, it was a, uh, I kept thinking, oh, you know, I want this. Oh, I can't have it. Oh, this is going to suck. And then after some time passed, I got more used to it, and I wasn't craving things as much that I had I had before. But I got to do it. I'm 46 years old, and uh, especially since my son is 38 and a half years younger than me, I, I always worry, you know, what if I die early and he's not going to have a father? So, uh, Well, I mean, what you were saying before is totally true. So, I mean, your your body reflects your lifestyle, right? I mean, that's just the bottom line. So if you sit on your ass all day and you eat chips, it's, your body is going to reflect that, you know? Um, so the way to do it is you change your lifestyle. That's how you, that's how you really, if you want to keep weight off long term, that's what you got to do. And like you were saying, you kind of got to ease into it, you know? Yeah, you got to ease into it and do something you know you can long term accept that you're going to do. Not, not just to, like, I, I could say, okay, from now on, I'm going to, uh, eat this, this, this bland, uh, low calorie crappy food I'm going to hate and I'm going to do that every day for the rest of my life. I can say that. There's no way I'm going to keep to it because, uh, right. That's, it's, it's just very hard to keep to something like that where well, I think if you really, if you really love eating and you love all these high calorie everything, the other thing you can do is you can do something like, uh, you know, start doing marathons. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know, I'm not even kidding. No, I know. So I used to. I used to I've be a done, runner. I used to be a runner when I was much younger. I've done a couple of marathons in my lifetime, and when I was seriously training to run marathons and lifting weights and stuff, I could eat fucking like a horse, man. Like, and granted, I was younger, but still, 
um, if you're doing that kind of vigorous exercise, you, you're going to be able to eat all the shit you want to eat, man. Somewhat, Absolutely. well, somewhat, but at this age, it's harder. This, this age, you're still going to. It's, it's I not guarantee, if you get up to the point where you're doing like a 15 mile run every day, you're going to be able to eat pretty much whatever you want. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a good question. If I if I were to run 15 miles a day, which I'm not going to, but if I were to run 15 miles a day, could what do you I mean really, you're not going to? Why? Come on, don't, don't rule it out. Could, you could, might do it. Could I actually just then say, okay, give, this gives me a license to eat anything and still lose weight? I don't know. Because it, I think I think that if you if you took your baseline of what you eat now, right, and you don't change a thing. But you add in where you, you do, you know, let's say you do run, you know, 14, 15 miles a day. I'll bet you lose weight. I guarantee it. Yeah, I mean, to run that much, you probably would, now that I think of it, because uh, because of the So that's how you can have your break. cake and eat it, too. You want to get in better shape. You want to improve your cardiovascular. You want to make sure you're around for him, but you still <laughs> want to keep months. eating the way you're eating. There you go. You know, I start, doing, do, start doing some running. I couldn't even do 15 miles when I was younger. I would get to like 10, and then I would just kind of, uh, I just run out of steam. Even even no, though I, even when I was I was able to run like six pretty fast, but then when I get to 10, I'd run out of steam. Yeah, but that's why that's why the expression is, you know, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So I mean, you pace yourself, and running marathons like it's the kind of thing that people say, oh, I could never do it, but. Every single person, unless you have some kind of um, serious physical disability, can do it. You just have to go through the training, and it's a mental thing to push yourself through the training. See, I disagree that. with that. I, th- I think there are certain people who whose bodies are naturally uh, inclined to be able to do it, some more than others, some who, who with some work can do it, but I think there are, are plenty that, that still couldn't, especially if you start at a later age. It's especially hard to get into uh, getting your body into shape doing that. To start at age 15 or something, there's probably a lot more people who could uh, – I ran my first marathon when I was 30, I think, something like that. Well, yeah, my my dad started later. My dad started late 30s, and he did marathons. And, yeah, I mean, yes, you are going to be more prone to injury. you got to make sure that you stretch more and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you've met me, man. I'm I'm 6'2 and I used to play football like I'm a big dude, and I did it. (laughs) You know, I definitely don't have a, a runner's body type by any means. Well, you could do it. Don't don't make up excuses if you wanted to do it. This is a way that you could. Uh, but see, that's have getting too ambitious. To that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's too ambitious. I, I don't want to do something too ambitious at this point. To uh, I want something that's that's I, I can say long term will uh, will work. So do a do a couch to five k program and see how you like it. I think I'll do the couch part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. then your other alternative is not eating the shit that you well, like. Well, that's, that's, eat, what, that's so. what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm just cut, well, I'm cutting it down. I'm not, not eating it, but All I'm cutting right. it down. I'll see. And I'll see where it goes. If, if for some reason this doesn't work, then I'll say, okay, I have to do something else. But uh, the, the good thing is I'm not, I'm not under a deadline where if I fail, something bad will happen. It's, it's like a long term thing. It's something that I'm trying to correct for the long term. And if the short term. And, and, and that will be fails, helpful, but you're also not doing anything to improve your cardiovascular circulation, that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, well, one thing at a time here. All right. And so, all right. so, so, I'll get into the lead story here. We don't have any huge stories this week, so I just had to kind of pick something. A UK career scammer played a poker tournament. This is after uh, he had already been sentenced and uh, got out of prison. So 
he thought pretty much everything was behind him. He thought, uh, you know, what better way for a former career scammer to make money again than uh, enter a poker tournament and try to luckbox something. That's what he did. And he actually won the tournament. So... There is just no fucking justice. Yeah, in this how, how come like guys like that win, and Lindgren wins, and Chino Reen wins? How, how how come they win? And and it seems like the good people in poker a lot of times uh, uh, fail. But anyway, a the the guy's name is Adam Lulot, and he was part of a major scam which involved forty million pounds, British pounds, which are worth. Considerably more than dollars, like a dollar forty or something these days. I, I haven't looked it up in a while, but uh, forty million British pound money laundering scheme, and he was sentenced to uh, some time in prison. I'm trying to see here. There was a ring of scammers. In total, six people in the scam were jailed a total of, of about uh, 26 years, but that's combined. That's kind of a stupid way of putting it, but that's what this article says. And uh, they, they each had to pay back uh, 590,000 British pounds in restitution, which I, I don't understand why that's so small if, they, if it was a $40 million uh, scheme. But they, they, they had to pay 590,000 British pounds restitution, and he had not paid anything back except for one pound. Somehow he paid one pound back. How does that work? Uh, hello, I'm, I'm here to give my restitution. Um, don't quite have the whole 590,000. Here's, here's a pound. Every little bit counts. Like, that's really what he did. He gave back a pound. So he, he had paid one pound out of the 590,000. And this was something that... This was a sentence that went back several years. The, this, the, uh, the scam happened in... Uh, 2010, 2011, he was convicted in 2015, so, so for three years he's owed this 590,000 pounds and had paid back one pound. So Lulat went and played the Grosvenor UK Poker Tour Manchester. And there was uh, 241,000 entrants and he won. He won 68,930 pounds, which is worth about $95,000. So he went to collect the money, and he got the bad news that uh, he's not going to get any of it. So what had happened was he had uh, a few small caches on that same tour. And the equivalent of the IRS in the UK, which is uh, it's called Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC. That's what you fear if you're in the UK. You don't fear the IRS. They don't have an IRS. But their version of the IRS is the HMRC. You say, oh, bollocks, the HMRC is auditing me. That, that, that's, that's what you're worried about. So uh, he, he's only 26 years old, by the way. So when he was involved in these scams, he was quite young. This was about eight years ago. So he was just probably around 18 when he, when he was uh, scamming. But still, he was an adult. And he still, still owes the money. So he, he had some small caches and the HMRC, a light bulb went over their heads. They said, oh, well, 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 look at this. This bloke is actually um, playing in poker tournaments. And uh, if he were to cash something rather large, then um, we could go 
right after it. So that's what they did. At the same poker tour, he had a few small caches. So basically they told the tour operator, if he wins, don't give it to him, give it to us. And that's what happened. So he, he went to go collect it, and uh, they, they gave him the bad news. Yeah, it's like the government gets their money. You know what I mean? It's like all you, you hear about all these scams in poker about Chino owes this money, Lingren owns this money, or whatever. And these guys cash for something, and you know, you see all these people wait in line, hope to get paid, or whatever. Fuck that. The government says, like, nope, you're not going to get it. Yep. Which makes me wonder, you know, that judgment that's against Lingren. Apparently, he still owes the IRS a ton of money. I mean, if he ever does make anything, I think they're probably just going to fucking take it. Yeah, though I think the IRS, they're probably – I couldn't see them being so clever as to, like, see he's cashing small in some tournament series and then to let the venue know to give it to them. Like, I have to give it to this HMRC. They were they were on their toes there. They They saw what was going on, and they preemptively struck. So when he went to go collect his winnings, they gave him zero point. Zero. Something we didn't hear. Uh, zero point zero. I, I even put. <laughs> yeah. I even put it. No, in. You, you know, one of the victims could have been following it too and dropped the dime on him. Yeah, absolutely. So, so did he get paid for the smaller ones earlier? Yeah, he That's got paid for the, what... Yeah, he got paid for the smaller ones. which was very small. So not only did they confiscate the the sixty eight thousand whatever pounds that he won from the big score, but they actually went and raided his bank accounts, which also had a few thousand pounds, and took that as well. So he was he was Good. left with the, he was left, he was left with nothing, <laughs> and so this is what an HMRC official said. Uh, Lula thought he'd he'd ace the tournament, but we had the better we had the better hand in the end. <laughs> I like how that's that's actually the official statement from the HMRC. We will not allow tax fraudsters like Lula to enjoy their winnings until after until they've repaid what they've stolen from the taxpayer. So I, I guess. Uh, Oh, I guess this. Is one. I, I think you'd be surprised, though, Druff. I think the IRS would be on the ball, you know, because if I, if, if people owe like child support money and they try to get a new job, they're right there with the garnished wages and stuff like that. And I realize that's not the IRS, but I mean the infrastructure is there, you know. Yeah. So they. So I, I guess uh, because this was, I guess since this is money laundering, I guess it, it was. Uh, I guess it was actually the government they owed the money to, as opposed to a traditional scam where the victims are owed. Here, this is a forty million pound money laundering scheme. So the the point of money laundering is. Uh, are we talking about full tilt again? <laughs> yeah. So basically, I, a forty million dollar money laundering scheme. So they they seem to the government uh, must have decided that he owed uh, this money from the taxes that would have been owed and penalties or whatever way they calculated it. So. They were owed money, and they were going to get it. So they found out he owed that he, he hit the big score, and uh, they had the poker room ready to confiscate it. Because otherwise, he would just show up and get the money, and then they have to get it from him before he spends it or hides it somewhere. Here, they didn't even give it to him, and they and they took his uh, his bank his bank account uh, contents as well. So. Uh, so who here who here feels bad for this guy? Uh, no, <laughs> I know, especially putting money in a bank account. 
If he knows he's got that hanging over his head, that wasn't the uh, smartest thing. Right. He's he's given back one pound out of 590,000. He's like, oh, I I owe 590,000 to the government, but I'm sure this will be safe here in this bank. I'm sure nothing will happen to it. I'm sure they won't get their hands on it. Uh, It's like I've said before, man. Criminals are not Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? I mean, there's... Most of them are just not very fucking smart. And then he went to the tournament. He's a oh yes, oh yes. I want a poker tournament. I'm going to go cash it out. Oh, now this I'm not going to put in the bank. This is going to go under my mattress. They're never going to know I had it. If they ever find out, I'll say I lost the money. Oh, this is going to be perfect. Right. Um, my, my sixty-eight thousand pounds, please. What? Have you gone mad? Zero? Now, how could the government have found out already? They found out before. Oh bollocks! So that must have been something like that. Never heard of Adam Lula. I always wonder, though, people I play poker with, you know, tournaments, cash games, I always wonder sometimes what the story is of some of these people. Like, are they playing on their very bottom dollar where they, they have to win today or they're going to be in big trouble? Or uh, are they playing with drug money? Or do they scam people to get the money to buy in? Like, there's If you knew all the stories of the people that you played with, I, I think it would shock you. Maybe by this point it wouldn't. But when you're playing poker with other people, you just kind of take for granted where the money comes from. In fact, it's natural to kind of just assume they got it in, in a similar way you did. But but many times, no. Many times the money has been acquired in a shady fashion in ways it should not have been. So this is one of them. Yeah, and it's great. Like when the phone rings and they're like, you can tell it's the wife. They're just like running out of the casino to answer it. To make up some excuse, because, you know, yeah, so, so, they're supposed to come home with the money, but they went right to commerce. Now, here's a uh, – I got a message from Mr. Tickle. I still owe him money, by the way. Mr. Tickle, I, I still got to pay you a little bit from the uh, piece you owned to me in the World Series. But uh, Mr. Tickle always sounds to me like someone who's just going to be arrested for pedophilia. No, he, he's still young. He's got time. So he, he wrote, uh, hi, Druff. I know a bit about this case, and the scammer is from my hometown. It's a fine from the government, which he avoided paying. It's not from scamming a poker or anything. Uh, also, um, Grosvenor, as he called it, it's actually pronounced Grosvenor. So I, I guess it's Grosvenor, not Grosvenor. So thank you for that correction. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, upon like looking at the story again as I was just talking about it on radio, I was like, wait a minute, this, is, this isn't really uh, money he scammed from individuals it looks like a money laundering thing it's a fine to the government or whatever that's 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 kind of what i i just thought I, you you probably typed that uh before i kind of clarified it but but thank you anyway he's he's typing now again on the he's sending the on skype so okay uh not much more to say about that just a little advice if if you're a scammer if if there's a judgment against you or especially if you owe the irs it may not be a smart idea to play poker tournaments or they they might be able to uh get your money before you can even get it never never be surprised never be surprised at what the government will do to recover what is owed to them okay so here's a story of money being recovered in a different way a countersuit you don't hear too often about very large amounts of money awarded in countersuit but this is this has happened here, and it involves scientific gaming. They're the makers of the Shuffle Master machines. Now we just talked about the Shuffle Master machines a few weeks ago, when it was discovered that Shuffle Master machines, the, the modern ones, actually have the ability to arrange cards, to actually see cards and arrange them. Now 
they're not programmed to be able to arrange cards uh, in the order the, that they're told to, but they actually can arrange the cards in what's called new deck order from uh, ace to king of each suit, which means as they're shuffling, you actually can see the cards and and arrange them, which I think is a horrible feature for shufflers to be given because it can be abused. And we talked about this at length on a recent show. And that was actually our first real Shuffle Master discussion I think we've ever had on this show. So funny enough, uh, just a few weeks later now, another Shuffle Master story, except this is about a lawsuit and it has nothing to do with the whole shuffling and potential cheating situation. This is actually a lawsuit between shuffle manufacturers. And and before you grab your pillow and think this will be a boring story, I actually think it's pretty interesting, especially because of uh, what ended up causing scientific games to owe so much money. So so here here's what happened. A company called Shuffle Tech International, which, which is different from Shuffle Master. Shuffle Master is now owned by Scientific Gaming, which they, they make a lot of different gaming products, including a lot of slot machines and shufflers, a lot of stuff like that. Like if you've, if you've, seen, if you've ever seen a, uh, slot machines made by Bally Technologies or WMS or some other brands, these are actually all owned by Scientific Games. It's, it's a huge company. So Shuffle Tech International LLC uh, is, is a company that makes card shufflers. And... Uh, Around 2010, 2011, somewhere around then, they developed a single-deck card shuffler for casinos. And they had it certified in early 2012. And then they entered into a patent licensing agreement with another company, which in turn sub-licensed it to a company called DigiDeal Corporation towards the end of 2012. Then DigiDeal went and produced these shufflers using that technology, which they had the permission to do. And they were attempting to compete with the Shuffle Master machine by building similar devices that were cheaper. They also claimed they were more reliable. So the the pitch was, buy our machine. We're not as well-known of a brand, but we're better and we're cheaper. So uh, it was actually... uh, Becoming fairly successful, and uh, and Shuffle Master was very upset about this. Or even before it became successful, they were afraid it would be. So within a week and a half of when the Shuffler that uh, Shuffle Tech had made was shown for the first time, within a week and a half, Shuffle Master sued for patent infringement, claiming they already had a patent on this technology that basically uh, uh, Shuffle Tech copied it, and now uh, everybody associated with Shuffle Tech is, is, uh, is going to be liable. So, in early 2014, DigiDeal inspected the patents that Shuffle Master had to see if they could somehow beat this case, and they found something that they felt was very positive in their favor. And that was that it looked like Shuffle Master's own patents really weren't valid, really not enforceable. Why? Because there was preliminary artwork and preliminary uh, designs or prototypes, actually not manufactured prototypes, but uh, design prototypes, at least in plans, that 
had predated the patents that Shufflemaster had gotten on the Shufflers. So basically, Shufflemaster patented something that uh, a lot of parts of it were already designed before they designed their product, therefore making their own patents unenforceable. Because you, you, you can't grab someone else's idea that hadn't been patented and patent it yourself. You can, but then your patent won't be enforceable if, if it can be proven that the uh, your patent is based on someone else's work that isn't patented and that wasn't associated with you. So that's what happened. Uh, th- there were some prototypes known as the Roblejo po- pro- uh, prototypes by a company called Casino Concepts in the mid-90s. And they found... I don't know how they found this, but they—I uh, I think it was in the pat- in, in the application of the patents, whatever it was. Uh, it was proven that Shufflemaster knew about these prototypes and this artwork at the time that they applied for their patents and chose to do so anyway. So that meant that they should have known that their patents were not enforceable. It's one thing to just get a patent, but it's another thing to actually sue other uh, sue competitors based upon this patent you have that you know would not be enforceable. And that they and so Digit a DigiDeal was alleging that Shufflemaster knew the whole time that their patents were not enforceable, and therefore the whole case against them was based upon false premises. That they were suing them based upon an unenforceable patent, hoping just basically to scare them or put them out of business just from the the expensive lawsuit or uh, or the fear of uh, of losing and and being liable for a large sum of money now i'm not a patent attorney or anything so i can't get into the full legal discussion here but it, it doesn't really matter that much so that that's what was going on so digideal then countersued them digideal counters they countersued shovelmaster for filing this malicious lawsuit against them basically just to thwart competition. Saying, hey, you, you you sued us based upon patent infringement that you knew was not really patent infringement. And you did it just, just so we would no longer be your competition anymore. You did it to force us out of the market. So they ended up winning. That is, uh, DigiDeal ended up winning. So DigiDeal... ShuffleTech International and the third company involved, uh, Poydras Tolerick Holdings. Remember, ShuffleTech, uh, they entered the licensing, the patent licensing agreement with, with this Poydras uh, Tolerick Holdings, and then they licensed a DigiDeal. So they're, all three companies were involved, and they're all being sued. They countersued, and they just won the countersuit. So just this past week, a jury awarded those three companies $105 million dollars in their uh, antitrust, antitrust lawsuit against uh, scientific games. And even worse, it ended up a lot more than 100, uh, uh, 105 million because of stipulations in the U.S. law that these type of damages were get automatically tripled. So the 105 million became $315 million. 
So this countersuit against Shufflemaster was successful, and they won $315 million. So in this case, uh, Goliath really, uh, or David really did beat Goliath. Scientific Gaming is a very large company. I don't know how much they can afford $315 million. That's still a lot of money. But I think they can. I don't think this is going to put them out of business, but it's definitely going to hurt. Now, Scientific Games is not giving up yet. Their spokeswoman, Susan Cartwright, said the company believes the jury reached the wrong result. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> when they say the company believes the jury uh, was completely correct in, in awarding a judgment of $315 million against us. No. Uh, they, they reached the wrong result and will seek review of both the finding and liability of the damages award be, uh, before, that co- the, before the trial court and, if necessary, on appeal. And uh, ShuffleTech CEO Rick Schultz said, we're quite happy, but it's so fresh, we're not sure where the next steps are. Uh, Schultz said that the legal fees pretty much froze the company, that they, they couldn't continue developing shufflers because they had to spend all their money uh, on legal fees. Uh, DigiDeal uh, pretty much said the same thing. And ShuffleTech ended up uh, selling the technology to another company. And ShuffleTech right now, they, they exist, but they're only making shufflers for consumers now. Not for casinos. All because of this. So it's going to be a while until they see their money. They're going to try to appeal. These things will drag out for years and years and years. But uh, I, I have to think this sounds like the right decision. This, this sounds really shady. That Shuffle, Shuffle Master knew their patents weren't enforceable. And they said, eh, well, you know, they're never going to figure that out. We're just going to scare them. We're, we're going to file a huge lawsuit against them. And scare them out of the market. So that's uh, and so so basically they they were trying to have a monopoly in the casino shuffler market, and that, that's why this was an antitrust countersuit. So think about the next time you're at the blackjack table. Think of all the drama that goes on behind the scenes about these shufflers. You just see something shuffling the cards. You do, you, or even after your next poker game, the shuffle master makes those too. Those automatic sh- automatic shufflers in the uh, the poker decks. You know, you, you see these, and you just go, "Oh, cool!" Has an automatic shuffler. You don't think about all this stuff like uh, lawsuits and about how these can be manipulated to cheat. You just you just think, "Oh, great! It can shuffle faster." I would love to hear Eric's take on this because I assume they had some type of insurance. Business insurance, right? So you'd think they'd cover something like this. But if it was found out that they knew about this and didn't disclose it to the insurance company, that could just give them the out and kill the company. Yeah, well, this, it is a very large company, uh, Scientific Games, so I think it's possible they could even pay this $315 million and survive. But it obviously, obviously would not be uh, a good thing for them, but they, they've gotten quite large. So this this may not sink them. It's gonna definitely put a dent in them. But I I do wonder if they do have insurance. If yeah, as you said, that it wouldn't apply here because of them uh, losing a countersuit due to hiding information they had about knowing that their patent wasn't really enforceable. So uh, anyway, I I didn't even know about this 
Shuffle Tech. I didn't even know they existed. I'd heard of Shuffle Master before, of course, but I'd never heard of uh, Shuffle Tech or DigiDeal or any of those companies. Now, I know Shuffle Tech, they, they used to make consumer ones, right? Yeah, they still do. That's all they do now. That's uh, I, I may have heard of them before from the consumer standpoint, but I'm, I, I had always thought these shufflers in the casinos were only made by Shuffle Master or maybe by one other company I hadn't heard of. But uh, I hadn't even heard I know, of them. I know thing. back in the day, some home games I went to, some of these guys bought those Shuffle Tech things, and they, they're they kind of pieces of shit. <laughs> well, maybe, they're, maybe they need the $315 million then. Well, I think these were the consumer. Well, that's model. what. That, that, yes, that, that's and yes, I, I imagine they probably are pieces of shit. That uh, yeah, uh, that, that's what they're doing. They, here. they don't read your fucking cards. No, that, that, that's that's the good thing. That's the good thing is at least <laughs> at least they're they're so crappy they can't uh, manipulate the cards and, and stack the deck against you. Sometimes low tech is better for that reason. All right, let's let's move on here. Uh, yeah, we probably would have been better if we had Eric on for this segment. I didn't even think of that. I should have thought of it. All I right. can just make shit up until he gets so sick of it he calls in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just we say have, it with confidence, Calwatt. We, we, have on, it, we have on our amateur attorney, Calwatt, who's going to uh, give us the legal rundown here. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about MGM National Harbor. And two stupid things that are happening there. The first thing, this is one of these cases where I think it's shady, but there's actually some people who disagree. There's some people who think it's fine, and I don't think it's fine. Uh, you as a listener, of course, can decide, and I'd like to hear from Calwatt and uh, Trader Ruski how you guys feel about this, because this one is not uh, super straightforward. Though, to me, it, it just doesn't sit well. So here, here's what they were doing. Hey, Jeff, I, I will listen and give you my opinion. I just want to let you know that I'm probably going to drift off early tonight. Okay. I've got an interview kind of early tomorrow. Oh, so an interview. Wait, what kind of interview? Got to be sharp. Uh, I'm I'm being I'm being interviewed on a podcast. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. like a job interview. No, which no, which, no. which one, uh, Calwa? Can we give a plug? <laughs> no, man. It's not anything that anyone listening would have any fucking interest in. Look at this. Um, He's got all this. Uh, Kawa has all these like different things going on in the background of his life. We know nothing about. Couple bodies buried in the back, back you know, yeah, all it, sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. This... But anyway, I'm just letting you know. For some reason, I disappear. Do not get alarmed. Okay. Okay. I was going to panic. I was going to call nine one one and make sure they search the barn. <laughs> make sure. I, I, well, I, I, I didn't. I don't want you to be disgusted. Like, oh no, Kawa, where would he go? No, I'm never disgusted. I, I know it's 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 after one a.m. There, I know if you just disappear, I know the reason. So that's that's okay. But yeah, thank you for warning me. So yeah, Trader Risk, I'll, I'll give you the the secret podcast link off air. Okay. All right, that sounds good. Because that uh, Adam interview last week. I thought I was up the whole time. Then when I re-listened to it, I realized I was like out cold for an hour. <laughs> and by the way, I did say, just to clarify, you should be tipping the to-go people. Okay. I think my statement was misunderstood, but go ahead. I don't want to go into a tangent. Continue okay, address. let's go. So the Potomac Poker Open takes place at MGM National Harbor. And that's a pretty new casino, MGM National Harbor. And it's in the D.C. area. And it was a big deal when it opened. Uh, it's technically located in Oxon Hill, Maryland, but it, it's really like a D.C. area casino. 
and it's it's large, it's doing well, it makes a lot of money, it's an MGM property. It opened, uh, let's see, when did it open? Uh, yeah, December 8th, 2016 is when it opened. So it's been open for only a little more than a year and a half. And of course, it's a very modern property. It's It's less than two years old. They had this Potomac Poker Open last year in 2017, and they just had it again in uh, 2018. So they've only had two of them because it was not a, the casino wasn't even open in August 2016. So most stuff about this is pretty standard, but then if you look at the tournament structure sheets, they have these little rules at the bottom. And rule number two says this. MGM National Harbor is guaranteeing three main event seats daily. Any shortfalls from the guarantee will be paid from the Poker Jackpot Reserve Fund. So what does that mean? The Poker Jackpot Reserve Fund. Well, that's a fancy way of saying that the bad beat jackpot drop in the cash game section... That they're just going to take it out of there. They're just going to grab the money out of the bad beat jackpot if they don't get enough entrance on any specific day to cover the cost of three main event seats, which is really crappy. Because this bad beat jackpot is supposed to go to the players who contribute to it. You know, they, they take a dollar or whatever out of each pot in the cash game section and they increase the jackpot, and then eventually a high, you know, there's a bad beat, high hand over high hand, you know, straight flush over quad aces, whatever the requirement is, and then whoever's lucky enough to be in that situation or at the table will get pieces of it, as it should be. That's that's standard. But what's not standard is to remove money from that jackpot because their tournament is not getting as many entrants as they thought it would, and they needed to cover the guarantee. Now you you might say, how could this be legal? And you might even be thinking, this has got to be illegal. I believe it's not. Now, I don't know Maryland law, but I believe it is legal because if you think about it, the money is coming from poker players and then is being paid out to poker players. So I believe the legal requirements for the bad beat jackpot are being satisfied. Now, what they couldn't do is they couldn't take the money. They couldn't just close the poker room and take the money. And they couldn't siphon off that money and just decide it's house money. And they probably couldn't take the money and use it for casino promotions. But here, it's all staying within the poker room. It's just, it's coming from cash players and going to tournament players. And their answer as to why this should be okay is that, hey, look, anyone who is a cash game player is also welcome to play the tournament. It doesn't have to be a separate pool of players. So that would probably be their excuse if you were to try to challenge the legality of this, and uh, I believe this is probably legal, probably that uh, all they have to do is give out the money. Because if they were to close the poker room, they would have to give out that jackpot, but they wouldn't have to give it out in the same fashion. They could hold other poker-related contests, you know, lower the high-hand requirement or have other promotions related to the poker games to where poker players win the money. The only thing they have to do is give it away in the poker room. That's the only legal requirement. But let's talk about the moral and ethical requirement. I don't think it's fair 
that if you're in a cash game and you don't play tournaments, if you're just not a tournament player, and you are contributing to that jackpot, and then they're scooping money out of that jackpot for tournaments. Because if you don't play tournaments, you have no chance at that money. It's different than the cash games where there's a good chance you won't win the money that they're raking from you, but at least you have a chance. Because you're playing in a cash game just like everyone else. So I think that's wrong, but others have said, no, this sounds like it's fine. More people thought it was wrong than right, but this was already discussed a year ago. Not by me, I didn't know about it till now, but uh, it was actually Scott from the East Coast who brought this to my attention. But uh, they did discuss this on 2 Plus 2 in 2017. And the tournament director, Johnny Grooms, actually posts there. And he's actually pretty responsive in the thread for Maryland Life, not Maryland Life, for a... That's their competition for, for National Harbor. And he actually addressed this a year ago. He said, in the process of addressing, we'll likely deduct 1% from all tournament prize pools to add to the jackpot reserve. This, this accomplishes the contribution some players like to see. Now, let me ask you guys here. Let's, let's see if you guys can get this. What is wrong with that plan to make this, supposedly make this equitable to, deduct 1% from all tournament prize pools and put it into the bad beat jackpot. So this way, if the tournament takes from the cash game, then now the, the tournament is basically replenishing it. Not at the same rate, but it's, uh, um, he's hoping that'll even out. What, what is the one, what's the problem with doing this? Can anyone think of this? Well, I mean, my, my first thought would just be, what's the fucking point? You know, <laughs> why take from one, and put it in the other and then take from the other and then put it in... I mean, it's just ridiculous. So they must be benefiting in some way, you know? Yeah. I mean, is it it's some amount of the, uh, the the take or the overhead from the tournament or something? Or no, what's, so, well, they're what's not, the well, casino they're just trying to out? limit their risk, it sounds like, well, well, they, have, they have overlays, right? Yeah, well, yeah so what they're actually... So they ended up not doing this. This was being proposed last year, but it didn't end up happening. But the problem, right. the problem with 1%... Is it's just a shell game? If, if right. so, 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 you pretty much got it there. If it, it's if that was done, and then the guarantee was hit to where they didn't need the, to, to dip into the bad beat jackpot. Now the the tournament prize pool just went down by one percent. So now the tournament mm-hmm. players got screwed. So so either way, someone's going to get screwed. That's the that's the problem. Is you can't. There's no way to make it equitable. There's no way to predict accurately what's going to happen so so uh well don't you know that walking into a casino though that you're going to get fucked in some way yeah well that's what's happening here so (laughs) so 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 the problem is one side or the other is going to get screwed here so just doing this one percent it just uh it can make it so the other side gets screwed so this it still doesn't solve it so uh they didn't end up doing this that was last year's post which i just read uh, so he he said, I understand your position, this is also last year, but hopefully you can see that using the bad beat jackpot reserve to cover these is plus EV for the room. You might wonder, okay, how is that? How is it, how is it plus EV for the room? He says, it attracts players to cash games that, that, that otherwise wouldn't be there. In the strictest terms, I wish there was no bad beat jackpot or promotions, but it's there, and competitors use it to their advantage. Were I not to do this, I would be at a competitive disadvantage. So that that's BS too. Uh, it is true that the bad beat jackpot that people like it, even though it's it's something that a lot of people find annoying and it makes the rake higher. But uh, 
using the Bad Beat jackpot to cover the reserve for these main event seats that they're giving away. That's that's not plus EV for the room. That's just uh, it just screws the cash players. Now, here's the simple solution. How about either just don't give away main event seats or give them based upon attendance? It's kind of make it like a satellite. If we get this many players, we give away one seat. We this many players, we give away two seats. They they could do it. They don't have to dip into it. They, they could make it a variable thing where they won't always give away three main event seats. Maybe they'll give away one. Maybe they'll give away two. Maybe they'll give away four. It should be based upon the number of entrants for the day. I don't know why they don't do that. So, Same reason why Full Tilt didn't have all the players' money in escrow. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so I mean, they're, they're looking for little angles that they can you know shave an edge off here or there from the people that walk in. Yeah, well, I, I think what they're doing, I think they just want to brag that they're giving away three main event seats. And they're like, well, right. but what, what if not enough people show up? Well, okay, what do we do about that? Oh, look, we have the, the bad beat jackpot money from the cash game. Let's just dip into that so it doesn't cost us anything. So they, Yeah, they, some, some marketer came up with the idea of running the promo to give away the seats. And then a manager was like, well, how are you going to pay for that? And then they're like, well, I know what we can do. Yeah, we have we have <laughs> our own. We figured with the promo, we'll definitely get at least this amount of players. And right. Yeah. So, so that that's was happening there, and they didn't. So they didn't change it. They they did it again in 2018, and that's uh, it's stupid. They shouldn't have continued with it. And somehow this year there was not as much outrage about it, but it happened again. Uh, but I think they should shouldn't guarantee the seats or or just uh or here's another thing that was suggested that I think could work. They could take a percentage out of each tournament buy-in and just use that as like a tournament only reserve fund. Almost like a instead of a jackpot just say okay, out of each tournament we're going to take a small amount and put it in a reserve fund so when we don't get enough you know, for things like this, for the seats, we could dip into that fund. At least then it's tournament players paying tournament players. Now, but tournament and cash are such different animals, and they, they often have a completely different set of people playing. That's why I don't think one should take from the other. I think I think that's shady. And uh, I just think it's better. Forget all that. Just just don't guarantee a certain number of main event seats. Do it based upon entries, and then everything's solved. But it seems like they're going to stick with this. Now, Johnny Grooms, some of you may recognize that name who's been around for a while. Johnny Grooms was not always the tournament director at MGM National Harbor, of course, because it hasn't been here that long. So prior to that, let's go way back, or not way back, but let's go a fair number of years back. Let's say about a little more than 10 years. What was Johnny Grooms directing at that point? Anyone know? What was his tournament that he was directing in, like, 2005, 2006? I've never even heard of the fucking guy. Yeah, I remember. I think you talked about it or Scott from the East Coast did way back, but I don't remember. Did, did he direct that? Uh, what was that topless uh, tournament thing that, um, what's her name, uh, Lingren's uh, wife did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah there was a, it was like a, some a strip poker topless thing. poker game, Yeah, right? strip poker, I think. Yeah, who else was in there? I forget. Yeah, I, I remember Lindgren's wife, uh, Erica Schoenberg. I don't remember who else has taken off their tops, but uh, I remember seeing the pictures. Like they were distributed everywhere of the of that game. You got to see Erica Schoenberg's uh, bare breasts. It, it was interesting. But uh, <laughs> uh, jo- Johnny Grooms awarded me my bracelet in 2005. He was the director of the World Series. 
He was the director of, in 05 and 06. And then in 07, Jack Effel took over his job. And it was never explained why Johnny Grooms left. And I heard rumors. Are you saying that he left right after he gave you your bracelet? No, there was a year in between. Wait, did, wait a minute. Did Druff complain about something? Yeah, Druff probably complained that could be about it. it and got that him fucking fired. I complained. Yeah. I said, this, this, is the way the, this is the way the bracelet work, looks? I, this is all I get for this? It's not polished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is my name not stamped on this? How could you not have foreseen I was going to win? So uh, what, what they ended up doing was uh, they, they fired him. I think they fired him in 2007. It was very strange. He was just replaced by Jack Effel, who is, of course, still the tournament director. And there were rumors, and I have to say it's just rumors because I, I, they were never verified, but there were rumors that he was left, that he left there under kind of suspicious circumstances, like that something bad had happened and that they, that he had to, stop being the World Series tournament director because of whatever had occurred. And I don't know exactly what, but that's that's what the rumors were. That wasn't the last year of the rebuys, was it? Uh I don't know. I think it was it must have been after that. But it could have been. No 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 it wasn't it wasn't. No, no. The the rebuys occurred in two thousand seven. I know because I finished tenth in one of those. And and that was uh Grooms was gone by then. So it, it wasn't that, but there, there was something that had happened, I heard. But I don't know, maybe I was just told false rumors, so I don't want to state this as fact and have it not be true. But, but I, it was never really explained why he left, and he definitely didn't take a higher profile job than this. It's not like he left for something even bigger. He's, he's been tournament director of other venues, but none as big as the World Series. It, he definitely took a downgrade. I mean, look right now. He's the MGM National Harbor Tournament Director, which you know, would you rather be tr- tournament director there or of the World Series. I'm sure Ethel gets more money than him, and Ethel has more prestige than him. So he had the job before Ethel. Ethel just suddenly got it in 2007. So it was very strange. So, I mean, which one I would take would depend on which one Kessler plays more. <laughs> yeah, you can take the other one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's got to be, it's got to be rough, you know. But I want to warn you guys of something. I, I didn't even think of this, but with the, we're about to move on to the second MGM National Harbor topic, and then what we're gonna, someone's trying to been trying to call in about it. I think it's Scott from the East Coast, which I'll, I'll take that call shortly. But I want to warn you guys: the situation with Benjamin. Uh, I have moved back his bedtime and his wake up time, where he's getting up a lot earlier in the morning and going to bed earlier. But uh, it's kind of marginal whether tonight he's going to be able to fall asleep. I just heard him going up to sleep now with uh, his mom. So I told her to try. Last week she didn't even try. She knew he couldn't fall asleep. I, I t- he, he woke up at 8.45 today. So she's going to try to see if he falls asleep. If he falls asleep, then we'll continue this like a normal show. Otherwise, if he doesn't... you got to get that kid a construction job. Well, see, he's going to have... He'll, then he'll come home tired, man. Get, well, he, send him out there do some child labor. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be at school next week anyway. Have, have him start running marathons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so he'll be... There's a chance that it'll be interrupted, but the good news for those who listen live is it will not be a long interruption because he, 
he's going to bed earlier and earlier. So if, if he can't fall asleep, it'll only be a short time until I get him to sleep. It won't be one of those like three hour delays. It'll probably be like, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. But I'm hoping he doesn't. Oh, have... I can fall asleep in that. No, I know, I know you can. But, yeah, I know you can. But <laughs> I'm just telling the listening audience if there's, if there is a, a, an interruption, number one, it'll be the last time because he'll be back in school by next week. And, and number two, that, it won't be nearly as long because his bedtime has gotten to be a lot earlier since last week's show. So I just wanted to warn everybody about that. So, okay, let me uh, go on to the second MGM topic, and then I'll take the call of uh, Scott, whoever that was, tried wants to call back. The MGM high limit section of the poker room, the National Harbor I'm talking about, uh, there have been some complaints recently about something going on there that you would never expect. There, there's things you can worry about if you go play in the high limit section. You can worry about uh, maybe the players are too good and, and you're the fish at the table. Maybe you're not properly rolled for that game. Maybe the swings will be very large uh, to where you'll lose more than you really wanted to lose in one session. Uh, maybe people will even target you on the way out and mug you, seeing that you're a high roller. I'd worry about some dude with chopsticks time trying to take money out of the little tip jar. Well, that's if you're one of the dealers, yeah. So, uh, but there's many things you can worry about in the top section there. Maybe you'll even worry that the dealers aren't paying enough attention and that, that one small mistake can cost you a ton of money, which actually happened to me at Commerce once. These are things that are reasonable to worry about if you're going to play the high limit section of a poker room, but... One thing I've never worried about once when I walk into the high limit section of the poker room is that I'm going to be choking on fumes. But that has happened. It is currently happening at the MGM National. You might be choking on BO if you're at the Commerce. That's right. That's right. It may be different types of fumes, but not uh, not kitchen fumes. But this is what's happening. A a post on two plus two was made uh, pretty recently. Let me let me click the exact date of this post. This post was made on uh, August 7th, just uh, a week ago. This guy wrote, I've had a bad cough and headache every day since the new room opened. They both start almost immediately after getting to the table, improve significantly when I leave the high-stakes platform, and go away altogether after staying away from the poker room for 24 hours. I was planning to play yesterday, but I had to take a day away from the room, hoping that my cough would go away. With a kitchen being directly next to the raised platform, the air quality really suffers. If there's anything that can be done to fix the circulation and ventilation in and around the kitchen, it would dramatically improve the experience on the high-stakes platform. This is from Tino Dallas with a Z on 2 Plus 2. Now, just in case you think, okay, maybe Tino Dallas is just extra sensitive. Maybe he got sick and is blaming it on fumes. Uh, maybe he's just a weirdo. Maybe it's all in his head. Maybe he's got psychological problems. Maybe he needs to be medicated. Well, no. Here is the response that Tino Dallas received from Johnny Grooms. Thanks for the observation. We are aware of the main cause of the issue which is the kitchen downstairs. So they're admitting it. They're admitting, yes, this is really happening. Uh, We will address that issue first, assess the results, and move forward with any necessary solutions. The fix for this issue has been started, and it may take up to six weeks to receive the equipment and install. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, I love this whole thing. So first of all, I, I love this Tino Dallas. Like he, first of all, he's doing like experiments that he, he gets sick when he goes up there. Then he walks down from the high stakes platform. He's like, hmm, it, it's, it's improving somewhat. Yeah. It's, it's get, getting kind of better. It's not totally gone, but it's kind of better. Let me see. Let me go back into the high limit platform. <laughs> Let me try it down here. Okay, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's not, not that bad. Let me try back up. <laughs> okay, maybe it's up there, yeah. And then, and then he's, oh, let me, let me try, try to go home. I'm just gonna go home. Oh, what do you know? It's all better. Well, I guess they must have toxic air up in the high limit section. Mm. And so, so then I, I like the way he puts it in his post. Uh, if who, who's a, the guy who's making this post? Uh, Tino Dallas with a Z. Tino Dallas. Yeah. Okay. So Tino Dallas, I like how he puts it. It's so polite. If there's anything that could be done to fix the circula- circulation and ventilation in and around the kitchen, it would dramatically improve things. It would dramatically improve I, the experience. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is a really good opportunity for Michael Moore to kind of revitalize his career. You know, he could make a, a Tino and Me documentary, kind of like he did on the water up in <laughs> <Yeah>. Flint. Right. <laughs> the, I, the air circulation in the high limit room here. Yeah, and I, I like how urgently this is being handled. Yeah, it'll be take six weeks. We got to order the equipment. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're buying it from a discount. Uh, Merchant that's that's shipping it all the way over from California, so uh, on the back of a flatbed truck that's making a lot of stops, and you know it'll take a long. And then we got to install it. You know it's not all that much of priority. Give it six weeks. Yeah, you know, yeah. You guys are all choking on fumes up there. Everybody's getting. A lot of people chimed in saying that they get sick up there too. So it's not it's not just Tino Dallas who's just unreasonably sensitive to the right. slightest impurity in the air. This is like a lot of people have commented. That they get sick up there and they don't even get sick anywhere else. And then, you know, and, and Johnny Grooms is admitting, yes, we have a problem here. The tournament director himself yeah. posts. And you, you know that there were conversations in the back room. They're like, oh, we got a, we got a problem with these fumes coming up. Should we, should we close the poker room during that time? You know? And this grooms guy is probably like, fuck that. They're going to play anyway. Don't worry about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> and, you know? But I, I like how nice he is. I, I would have such a different tone if I made that post. I oh, would my say, God, I, Ruff. Like, if you were the one there, oh, my God. Yeah. That he, <laughs> like, how can you just say, oh, yeah, if you can make this better, just improve the ventilation, that'd be better. Look, everybody's getting sick up there. Everybody, they go to play poker, and they're getting sick. They're getting a cough and a headache. And the, not only is it something very uncomfortable short-term, this can't be good for you long-term either to be inhaling these fumes for hours upon end, day after day up there. So, like, uh, Traderuski, we've got to do this. Are, are you with me, buddy? Traderuski? I'm with you. Here's what we do. You and I are going to fund a little documentary film, right? <laughs> we're going to send, we're going to hire a little camera crew, and we're going to send Druff out there <laughs> to the National Harbor. And just sponsor him to go up there and uh, play in the high living room. We're going to film what happens. I guarantee you it's going to be gold. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Uh, I mean, it's why aren't people just demanding that they either close it or immediately correct the problem? Why don't they move the high stakes? Go ahead. Go ahead, Ruff. I'll be the the poker room manager. I'll be this groom guy. Okay. And you just imagine yourself. You're sitting in this uh, high limit room and you're playing and you notice that you're starting to get headaches, maybe clumps of hair are falling out and stuff. And Go ahead. You can come up to me and complain. Okay. Hey, uh, hey, are you, is this, are you Johnny, the, the, the tournament director? <laughs> are you, are you the tournament director here? Yes, sir. How can I help you? Yeah. Uh, 
I, you probably remember me. You ordered me a bracelet 13 years ago in a limit hold'em event. But but anyway, oh, you were kind of a dick back then. Look, look, it, it was a long day. Okay, I was just uh, right. yeah, it, it, there was a lot of stress. But uh, forget that. This that was then. This is now. Look, <laughs> um, I just played in the high limit room up there, and uh, I know that I'm not imagining this. It is uh, very fumey up there. It, it feels like I. It feels like an exhaust pipe from a semi is being directly yeah, inserted we, into we my. We know what that is, pipe. sir. It's actually just a little bit of the uh, the fumes from the kitchen are kind of leaking into the poker room. That's all. Nothing, nothing to be worried so, about. So why? How is this not a big issue? How, how, how you guys just still run the game? Why don't you take the the high limit room, take the high limit games, and move them down to the main floor? Why? Why would you have us up there? <laughs> See, look what happened to me here. See. Why? Why should wow. I be subjected to that? Why should they be? Why not just move it down there and close that upper section? Well, yeah, honestly, you're the first person that has ever complained about this. Uh, there's actually three people vomiting up there right now. Do you, do you think it's because uh, there's just a virus? Going I mean, I'm looking at the. We have people that are playing in there 24 seven, and we, you know, you were literally the first person that has come up to complain. You know, I, I apologize if uh, you're having an issue. We'll give you a $5 food voucher. Yeah, that's, that's not going to cut it here. The problem is not only that, but even if I were to take your food voucher, I'm afraid if I were to, to eat the food with what this has done to me, I'm going to throw it right up. This is this is, this is is crazy. Why don't you guys uh, either close everything up or close up the affected areas? Uh, we, or- we've, already, we've already, we know what's wrong. We've ordered the equipment that we need, and it will be fixed in six weeks. Six weeks? It, it should be six hours. It should be the. It should be less than six hours. You guys should get. This, no, should be this is a major operation, sir. We can't complete this in six hours. Okay, you need to buy the whatever equipment you need. I'm sure there's uh, local vendors that could sell it to you tomorrow or in the first weekday. You should get this. You should have this an expedited expedited delivery. You pay a little extra for, and then inst- have installers over there installing it immediately and keep the room closed for those days. You don't just make everybody sick in the meantime so you can keep collecting rake so you can fund that no, bad we, beat we've jackpot. Done feasibility studies, and it's just not going to happen no, look, in, look, in look, that look. time frame. I so. know what you're doing here. The reason you are keeping the room open is because you are you just want to collect as much money as possible that you can put in this bad beat jackpot in case you don't meet your guarantees in the tournament. Uh, uh, look, look over at the room, sir. You see how many people are in there? I, I can't none see. There's, there's people, too much smoke. None of those people seem to mind. I can't even see through the, the, the air. It's, it, it's all smoky. It only seems to be you that has a problem with this. And, and what I would suggest to you, sir, you take this $5 food voucher, you go for a little walk, you know, clear your head a little bit, and then come back and play some more. Okay, how, how do you feel about the fact that uh, we can't even see the players there because of all the fumes in there? <laughs> Does that, that, that might be a tip-off that uh, there's something wrong here? I think you might be exaggerating a little bit. I, I, I can see just fine. Okay. Uh, you can't even see the flop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good excuse of why, why you lost the pot. You could say that uh, you, instead of just saying you ran bad or had bad luck, that uh, you just couldn't see the flop. No, if you were actually there and this was actually happening to you, you would be way more pissed off. <laughs> No, I probably would. You would be going ballistic, and and Trederuski, we got an opportunity to make that movie. I, I just yeah, don't know. It would be great. I, I don't know why people are not making a bigger deal. Like it's amazing how often, like it seems like with poker players, they either just take too much crap, and you know, where they're totally in the right and should say a lot more, and they just kind of put up with a lot of bullshit. And there's other times where they just make a huge deal out of nothing. No, no, they're they're not going to say anything while they're there, but they'll complain on Twitter ceaselessly. 
Yeah. And don't worry. Well, what about the dealers? The dealers must be dying. Yeah, the dealers. Well, at least they get to rotate out of there. The dealers get to go back down to the main section. They're, they're at least, uh, they get a break. Just wear one of those surgical masks when you go in there. Yeah, what if you wear like a Darth Oh, they're having a gas mask production. Yeah. I mean, a promotion. I was wondering what that was all about. Well, yeah, there you go. You could wear a gas mask. Well, here's a question. So, so it's against rules in most poker rooms to wear anything completely covering your face like a gas mask, but could you get an exception made here? Could I bring a gas mask and say, well, normally I know Maryland law would not allow this, but would there be an exception to the law when there's uh, toxic fumes up uh, for six weeks in the uh, top section? Uh, would a gas mask be uh, permittable? Uh, on a temporary basis here? That would be a good question. Okay, Scott, you can call in if you want. I don't know if you're still listening, but uh, we're ready to take your call if you like, and you can give us your take on this. For anybody else who's uh, played in that room uh, in recent times, I'd like to hear about this. Isn't it amazing, though, the shit that people will will put up with to, to gamble? Them? Yeah, it's, it's well, insane. Just like, the, the place could be on fucking fire, and I, they would still yeah, want to finish the hand. I would actually have called in uh, gaming, and some, and, and I'd probably call in the uh, Occupational Safety, safety and Hazard uh, uh, government Get body. Get in there, yeah. and everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I would do there. I would not. I would, I would report this as a health hazard and then let them deal with it or, or threaten to if they don't take action immediately. That, that's amazing. That's, I like, oh, it's going to be six weeks. It, it takes a while to, to order and, and uh, receive and install the equipment. Oh, okay, six weeks. Okay, we'll, we'll keep choking for the next six weeks. Good to hear that in October it'll be clean up here. Okay, uh, Scott, hello. No, this is 442. This is the one uh, I oh, told you oh, about. Oh, 442, the, uh, I'm sorry. I thought, the overlay I, okay, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to be Scott. Okay, I, I just see 410, I assume no. Scott. Okay, so 442, uh, what's, what's, what do you want to say about this? Yeah, well, yeah, there were there was definitely an overlay in Event 6, because I played in it, and then uh, there was an overlay that night in that one with the uh, where they were giving away three seats. Now, in the structure sheet for the three seats, it talks about part of your entry fee like four dollars of it goes towards the uh the jackpot reserve fund but it didn't have that on the uh on the other ones with the with the uh guarantees that any of your money was going towards the jackpot reserve fund i just you know i i I totally agree with you and i'm the one who brought this up if you're offering a guarantee it should come out of their pockets not the poker players pocket now admittedly it's not as bad as the whole debacle in Washington State, you know, where they closed the poker room and they basically stole the money and redistributed it uh, somewhere else within the casino for other promotions. But it it does seem a little bit off. I, I stopped short of calling it shady. It just seems a little bit off to me. So wait, a minute, are you the one who brought this to me? I thought it was Scott yeah. the whole time. I thought I was talking to Scott. No, it was me. No, it was me. <laughs> That's funny. I, 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 I just, I just I saw four one zero. I was so convinced it was Scott, and he was, he's brought things like this to me before, like like a whole lot of other things that have gone on in that area over the years. So I just assumed it was him. That's so funny. Yeah. Okay. So th- thanks for clarifying that. Thanks for bringing this to us. But uh, yeah. Uh, now, now I'm on the East Coast. I play it live and uh, MGM about once a month or once every two months. Just okay. So yeah, like I said, I just thought it was a little bit off. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, you bring up a very good point that when they have a guarantee, it benefits the room because it gets more people there. Any kind of guarantee. Absolutely. It, it makes more people show up. And as I've said many times mm-hmm. on previous shows, when the casino offers a guarantee, they need to do it at their own risk. And here it, it, they're getting the best of both worlds. They're offering a guarantee, and if they don't meet it, they make the players pay. 
So that's that's really crappy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's really the worst part here is that uh this isn't like this isn't like some sort of random event that can occur. It's not like they have a high hand promotion during the tournament that they're if they don't get enough players to fund it, they're gonna the fund this is actually you know, something that may or may not hit during the tournament. This is something that every day we're gonna give away three seats and if we don't have enough money, we're taking it from there. So yeah, they're getting additional business and the the players jackpot fund is paying for it and that's that's especially bad. And this is different than a yeah a, a jackpot situation where uh, it's it's not guaranteed on a given day that a jackpot's going to hit. So when it eventually hits, it's it's given away. But but here they're they're actually getting the benefit of the guarantee, and and yeah, and and, and grabbing that money from the cash players if if they couldn't fund it. Yeah, pretty bad, pretty shady. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely off. Well, have you known yeah. anyone or, or played up there like this whole thing with the bad air? Uh, have, what have you heard about that? Aside well, from one thing I do know, well, one thing I do, I don't know, I can't comment about the bad air. I know exactly where it is, but I know they just moved the poker room to upstairs. So the the poker room was downstairs from when they opened in December of 16 until about a month ago, mid-July. Uh, they opened it up upstairs, and there's a kitchen, like, right uh, catty corner from where the uh the high limit area is but the uh so i don't know if they 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 botched the uh the the ducts work for the the ventilation when they when they when they opened the new room i know there were a bunch of delays in opening the new room but uh they may have screwed up the ventilation oh so i didn't notice this but i, I haven't noticed any issues i didn't notice that uh i didn't know that this is a new room that this is not the same room they had the whole yeah. time yeah, it's brand new since mid July. Well, that's that's pretty ridiculous. So they had they had the first room for less than two years, and then they make a new one. That you you would think that's kind of poor planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually, when they're going to make a new poker room in a different location, it's because it's you know the property's been around for twenty five years and it's outgrown the. Free, it, here, it's been open since December two thousand sixteen, and they're like, "Yeah, we're getting rid of the old room. Here's the bl- the brand new room with two thousand eighteen technology, not two thousand seventeen technology." Yeah, but is it bigger or smaller? It's it's slightly it's a couple more tables bigger not not that much now there is one the hmm. nice features that you have pretty much your own snack bars kitchen with with decent choices right there um but yeah but you're right rough that, like why didn't they plan this two years ago <laughs> you would no I it does seem like it's poor planning because you spent a whole bunch of money to close that original room and and totally revamp another room to to make the new poker room so yeah, yeah caesar's is not the only uh hotel with a whole bunch of fail yeah it, it is good that they have that kitchen like yeah like i'd like a burger with a, with a side order of carbon monoxide thank you <laughs> crazy I mean, yeah, like i said i haven't noticed it bad with the rest of the tables but the high the high limit area is uh, is closer to the kitchen so that might be that might have something to do with it, or it might be ventilation from somewhere downstairs. And also, it might be it might be uh, rising too. It might be whatever the fumes are there; they rise and that uh, get stuck up there. It's on a, it's on like an yeah. upper platform, right? It's at the highest part of the room. It's not that high up though; hmm. it's like slightly elevated. Okay, so, okay, so, so make that much difference. But. Yeah, well, who knows? But it, it's 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 acknowledged it's happening. It's not even like they're they're denying it and uh, and we're trying to figure out if it's really that bad. Oh, like I it, believe it's happening. They're, like they're, they're admitting it's it. There. It's, it's off by itself. 
Um, yeah, it's a, so, it maybe because it's close to the kitchen. Yeah, so, so for whatever reason, they they moved the poker room, and then they probably didn't think of this, and uh, yeah, they had some kind of mistake in the design. But this this is why that would be my guess. This is why you plan in advance for uh, where you want the poker room, because when you you hastily move it, then these type of issues can come up. But I think the biggest problem is that they should close off whatever section this is occurring. Just don't ever run any tables up there until this is fixed. And if they happen to have you know fewer tables running available during that time, then tough luck. Then that's the way it is, and they'll be full, and certain games won't go, and they just have to tolerate it. But just to keep running it, that's just the amazing thing to me, is they're not saying, okay, we're closing it now until we fix it. No, it's still going every day. Everybody's still going up there and getting sick. <laughs> And no one has thought, wait, maybe let's close this area. Let's just stop. Let's let's just not run these games up here that are getting everyone sick that we've acknowledged. It's I mean this is like a lawsuit waiting to happen. It's crazy. They gotta get their drop. Wow. They gotta get their five dollar drop everything. This reminds me a little bit, and I'd love to blame Johnny Grooms, but he wasn't in charge at this point. At the World Series in two thousand seven, when they had that poker tent. Where, where they, they had a tent there outside with the sun beating down on it when it's 110 degrees and it was just sweltering hot in there and they're running World Series bracelet events in there. And in the meantime, they have like $4, $8 limit Hold'em running in the air-conditioned Amazon room. And and so I remember having a big argument with Jack Effel, who no one knew at that point. He was the new tournament director and he was kind of a, a nobody. He was kind of an unknown in the town at that point. But I had a big argument with him about it. I said, why are you running these cash games in here? Why don't you switch it? Why don't you have the cash games where people can come and go as they want? If they don't like it, if it's too hot, they can just leave. Why not have those in the tent, the low-limit cash games, and have the bracelet offense in here in the air-conditioned Amazon room? And he said, well, we don't have the security structure set up in those other rooms. I said, okay. Then how about you just don't run $4, $8 cash games during bracelet events if that room, if that tent is too hot? And he didn't have a good answer. We had a big argument. And uh, it, it was... I, I couldn't figure out why they, you know, knowing that they had the problem with the heat in that tent. It was stupid to have in the first place. But knowing that they had that problem, why continue using it? They they only stopped using it that year when the tent actually blew down. It actually blew down with people playing it. And uh, nobody got hurt, but people easily could have. It actually blew down. It, they, were, they were howling winds one day, and the tent's blowing all over the place, and it actually collapsed. And that's when they decided, oh, you know what, maybe it's not a good location for World Series events. So they, they stopped using it at that point. But it took the tent physically blowing down in the wind to cease using it. So it's amazing to me how they won't just close these things when these type of problems are happening. So. Yeah, you would think, because they're not going to lose that many tables. Yeah, and if they do, they do. Four or five tables there, even if they, yeah. If they do, put up with it for six weeks, or uh, it's... Exactly. Uh, this this is insane that this will keep running, and I... Well, I, I guarantee if they close those tables, they'll get it, they'll get it fixed a lot quicker than six weeks, and yeah. they lose all that, they're losing all that revenue. Yeah, that's right. That timeline will speed up. Yeah, they close, and then uh, three days later, okay, it's fixed. Yeah. Yeah, that's always how these things work. Crazy. I, I don't... Uh, believe me, if I was the one playing there, if I was the one... If this really affected me, I would be raising hell. I'd be making a big deal over this. It's, it's one of these things that I, I only moderately care because it doesn't involve me and I'm too far away to ever play there. But uh, uh, here's someone who's not too far away, though. Benjamin, come over. Well, we'll I, I don't want to uh, – I, I can't have this as a regular feature in the show, but you, you can uh, – uh, this is your last week here. 
before going back to school. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't sleep again? Um, no, but I um, cho- uh, no, but I just chose to go here. You chose to go here. What do you mean by that? Like, mommy, uh, I, I had a choice to um, go to sleep with mommy or stay away. Oh, I didn't know about that. So, yeah, that's 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 an obvious choice there. <laughs> so, so your choice was to either go to sleep now or just stay awake and come here with me, right? That's the problem. You got a choice. Yeah, you got a choice. And then, and, <laughs> and then, and then, if you go to, if you stay here with me, you know I'm going to shut down the show, and then you're going to get to do fun things, right? And now I get to play Minecraft. And now you get to play Minecraft. Okay, that's that's the problem here. It's uh, that's the problem. Now it is almost eleven. Why aren't you tired yet? I thought you got to pay forty-five. I'm just not tired yet. I I just um, stay. I just I'm like it's hard for me to get to sleep because I'm always awake. Yeah, well, that's that's a problem here. You're going to be going back to school in uh That's rough. You week. know, if you reward him by letting him play Minecraft, he's never going to fucking – he's never going to well, go to no, sleep. Well, no, no, no. He, he's, he's – Ben, that's actually a good point. You can't hear this, Ben, but the my co-host here uh, – by the way, he even, he even knows about oh, you. Oh, he didn't hear him drop the F-bomb. That's good. So he, I stopped it halfway through. So, okay. so Ben, where where does one of my co-hosts live? I don't really remember. You don't remember? I told you. It's far away. Where? Uh, Mauritius. <laughs> Mauritius. No, not that far. Mauritius I, I is. I wouldn't mind living in Mauritius. Mauritius is the very farthest place from here. It's about oh, it's, it's uh, like eleven thousand six hundred miles away. Yeah. But um, no, he's he's from New York. Remember that, Ben? I I, I told him about you, Calwa. Uh, yeah. So, but Ben, you have to understand. It's it's almost eleven. It's ten fifty seven p.m. And. Uh, <laughs> You're gonna to have to go to bed. Very, very. Soon. This is not gonna be like a, an extended Minecraft session. We're gonna be going to bed and try to get you to sleep. Okay. Then I think tomorrow I'm gonna to wake up at eight thirty. Oh. Uh oh. Yeah. Mm. It's not gonna be party time here. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Bad decision. Dagger. Bad decision. You, th- you thought you were gonna get like hours of Minecraft now. It's not happening. You want the Minecraft yeah, back? Yeah. Just, just gonna be minutes. Okay, well, uh, I, w- I thought I dodged the bullet here. I thought that uh, this wasn't happening tonight. But uh, fortunately, you, you came in at the exact right time when we just finished the MGM topic. And uh, so we will continue the other topics. If you're listening live, this is not going to be a three-hour delay like last time. This will be fairly quick. I'm going to try to get Benjamin to bed. Once he falls asleep, I will come right back down and finish the show. Uh, Calwat, I if you're asleep, then I understand Trader Ruski, I'm guessing you'll probably yeah, still be up. Zero shot. Okay, zero point <laughs> zero. Uh, Trader Ruski, I assume you'll probably still be up for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'll be up for a little bit. Yeah, it's the magic of the West Coast. So, uh, to the live listeners, it'll be the last week it happens because uh, next week he will have woken up uh, well before eight and spent the day at school. So this uh, he'll be. Uh, Going to bed much earlier, and and every day I've been like moving back his uh, bedtime and his wake up time. So this will be the last week this happens until next summer when we take another trip and end up on a super late schedule and he's going to bed at two a.m. again. But uh, th- this will be the last week this happens. I apologize for that, but got to work around things, especially when I'm uh, being paid the big zero point zero to do the show. Ben, watch out! You're about to knock out the cord here for the uh, for the internet. That wouldn't be good. And. Uh, Let's see what ratings we have right now. I see the ratings aren't that great anyway. So maybe I'll even get better ratings when we come back on. 
uh, those in the archives, you will come back to hear an ad about Eric Benzamokin and his legal services. Attorney Eric Benzamokin is a big fan of the show. He's donated to so many free rolls. He was even a sponsor for a while. And now he's kind of more like a free roll sponsor. But I, I just play his ad because uh, he deserves it. And I'll do that as a restart to the show. When you hear that ad come on, then you'll know it's there. And I will put on twitter.com slash poker fraud alert. Twitter.com slash poker fraud alert. I will put when we are coming back. It'll be announced there. And you'll be able to come on and listen live if you're still awake at that time. So we're ending just about at 11 o'clock p.m. sharp. And we will continue. Thank you, Calwatt, for uh, your contribution tonight. And uh, for whatever reason you can't sleep or whatever, you're welcome to come back on when we restart. And uh, I will try to get a hold of you, Trader Risky, who I presume will still be up. Good night, gentlemen. All right. All right. Good night. Take care, Jeff. Good night. We'll we'll be back in a little bit. And uh, for you archives people, we'll be back uh, even sooner than that. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money or if they think you owe them money, he's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally, and he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar, and he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's right. We're back. Only took an hour this time. A lot less than the other two weeks. And next week, this should not happen. So we'll move right along. I'm going to try to get Trader Ruski back. I'm sure Cal Watt is 
fast asleep in that hour. See if we can reach Trader Ruski. Otherwise, I'll just start it myself. Oh, you, hear <laughs> you hear that? That's a new Skype. I made the mistake of updating Skype. Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, Druff? Well, I made the mistake of updating Skype, so I don't know if this is going to be a good or bad thing. Probably bad, but uh, I figured that during the downtime, why not? It, it was bugging me to update the Skype and said if I don't do it soon, it's going to not allow me to connect to the server anymore. So I gave it a shot, and here we are. The first problem we have is that it uh, apparently plays those uh, connection sounds. I, I don't want any of those sounds. It had like a calling you sound. Do, 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 do. I, I don't want that. And I, I don't know on the new Skype how to turn that off. It's, it's really annoying. You used to just be able to just turn off all sounds like that. Like turn off system sounds. No, it, it doesn't have that anymore. That, that's really, uh, it's really irritating. Well, I'll have to figure it out later. If we call anyone tonight, you guys will have to put up with it. So, um, let's see here. I want to go on with the show. Fortunately, we had a uh, clean break from the last topic. And we can move on to the DDoS topic, because there's some DDoSs going on. And they're targeting a lot more than just America's card room, which seems to always be the DDoS victim for whatever reason. Now there are bigger fish that they're trying to fry. And I don't know if these poker sites are ready for it. I, th I thought a long time ago these larger sites would have put some work into creating a situation where they cannot uh, be ddos but they uh, apparently are still vulnerable. So here's what's going on. America's card room has been facing DDoS attacks for a very long time. And uh, they claimed some of the DDoS attacks were by competitors. And in fact, uh, one guy wanted to make a deal with America's card room and tried to do it through Poker Fraud Alert, who said that he knew the identity of one of the attackers who was hired and that he'd give that person up for a certain amount of money and posted it on Poker Fraud Alert. I brought this to America's Card Room's attention. I don't know if they ever got in contact with the guy or not. I, I wasn't involved in the process. But that, that particular attack was blamed on competitors. But there have also been attacks that have been ransom attacks where hackers uh, commit these DDoS attacks cripple America's Card Room and basically say, send us this much in Bitcoin or we're going to continue. I don't know if ACR has ever paid or if they've just tolerated it, but it, it's happened so many times that they've had to cancel tournaments or tournament series because of DDoS attacks or they've had to pause them. Uh, ACR has been by far the most frequent victim of these attacks for whatever reason. And when I hear about DDoS attacks, I just always assume it's against America's card room. Just to clarify for people who aren't familiar with these type of attacks, 
a DDoS attack is a distributed denial of service attack, and it's a little different than just a DOS attack, which is called which is just denial of service without the distributed part. The difference is that a regular denial of service attack is an attack from one computer against the system, where one computer is making as many connections as it can to the server to bog down the server and and uh, Usually these connections are just uh, either just straight requests of some sort to the server or you know, some kind of simple connection or request. Or sometimes uh, if they found a way to really slow down the server with a certain type of request, then uh, that will be done instead. Like an example would be on a forum, uh, reading a very long thread would be one that would tax the server more than just refreshing the page that displays the threads. So I, I shouldn't be telling you guys this thing. I guess you'll uh, DDoS my site. But uh, some things can be done on websites that take a lot more processor power. And if hackers who want to commit these attacks figure what these things are, figure out what these things are, then they will do that, and that'll be extra effective. But sometimes just opening connections to the site itself just uh, thousands and thousands of times can bring a server to its knees. But there's only so much that one computer can usually do, and that's where the DDoS comes in, the Distributed Denial of Service Attack, because that's where it's a coordinated attack by multiple multiple machines, sometimes as many as tens of thousands. And you may say, well, why would tens of thousands of people ever do this? Why would this many people get together to do something like this? Uh, they're not. What happens is that computers are hijacked through malware, which are you know, programs that people end up with on their computer that they don't know is there and don't want to be there. And these programs will then allow the person directing the attack to force these infected computers to participate in the attacks, even if the owners of these computers don't give permission or even know what's happening. So that's how usually these DDoS attacks happen. And the one, the computers that are being used without the owner's knowledge through malware, uh, those are referred to as zombie machines. So... These have been uh, DDoS attacks, the Distributed Denial of Service attacks, and they've been going on against America's Card Room for quite some time. But the new thing is that uh, Party Poker and Poker Stars have now become targets as well. So here's what happened recently. On August 9th, Party Poker had to halt all of their tournaments and then cancel them because a lot of players could not connect. They were disconnected from the server and couldn't get back on. Party Poker Managing Director Tom Waters uh, put out a statement a little bit later and confirmed that DDoS attacks were occurring. And they went on for several hours and they claimed that they are currently working with their DDoS mitigation service provider to minimize future risks. He said, The unfortunate events of 9 August, that's when it occurred, 
were understandably frustrating for our players after consideration that the decision was taken to pause and then subsequently cancel all affected tournaments. And uh, anyone who was in the tournament that was canceled obviously would be getting a refund. They even assured people on Twitter that if they haven't gotten refunds yet, they will be very soon. They also wrote that due to the DDoS attacks and measures taken to prevent the widespread login issues seen over the last 48 hours, a small number of players may continue to experience login issues. So whatever they did to correct it may have screwed something else up. I don't know why that should have happened, but it did. So a small number of players, they say, may not be able to get in for reasons unknown, or at least unknown to me. Uh, This is what Party Poker posted on August 11th on Twitter. There have been a number of questions about refunds, understandably, which have taken longer than we would have liked due to the scale of issues faced. We apologize for this and hope to be resolving these into into your accounts ASAP. The aim is today. Thank you for your patience. I don't know if they ended up getting that done. I assume they did. Then the Sunday Million on Poker Stars got attacked. The Sunday Million has been around forever. That's the best-known online tournament there is. And they ended up having to suspend the Sunday Million. And uh, they eventually had to cancel it. Interestingly, not only did PokerStars.com, you know, the main PokerStars get affected, but also the individual PokerStars such as the ones on the European Shared Network and and uh, Poker Stars Italy and Poker Stars India, they also got disrupted somehow. So they were all being all the different variants of Poker Stars were being attacked. I don't think the one in New Jersey was, but all the foreign ones seem to have been. And interestingly enough, the DDoS attacks did not affect players who were connected from Belgium, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, and Romania. For some reason, probably due to the way the uh, attacks were occurring and the internet routing that was going on. Uh, so I pro- it probably was more of a routing issue from these attacks rather than the servers, because if it was the servers, it wouldn't matter where you're connected from. But the people in those four countries were able to still stay connected so they were just going crazy stealing blind to the people who got disconnected and this went on for an hour before poker stars realized that they couldn't let this continue and they paid people out according to their chip stacks which of course got people angry because people from those four countries were able to steal a lot of chips from those who were disconnected and they got more money for that reason. So people who were either blinded out of the tournament or blinded down to a shorter stack were very unhappy that this was the way it was done. But PokerStars did say that uh, they would be refunding the players based upon the stacks that uh, they had when the disconnects first started. This is what they wrote. Apologies to our players for their recent issues on PokerStars. These players affected by these morning's issues have been credited, and we will aim to refund players affected by yesterday's problems with their equity at the time of disconnection within 72 hours. 
they're claiming that uh, as soon as you got disconnected, that's when that the equity you'll get. Though that that wouldn't make a lot of sense. They end up paying out a lot more for some people than uh, the entire prize pool. But it's possible they mean they're going to give everyone their equity from when everybody's disconnections first started. Then, shortly after that, the next day, they had problems again with DDoSs. They tweeted, this is on August 13th, we're experiencing ongoing technical issues and have paused all tournaments. We apologize for the continued inconvenience and working to ensure players are refunded. As appropriate, we will provide more details on issues following our technical review. And then, this is why you you don't ever brag that everything's back up and running and everything's okay, because more, quote, technical issues came up on Tuesday. On Twitter, they wrote, on Tuesday, August 14th, we are currently experiencing technical issues. All tournaments have been stopped, and those in progress at the time of disconnection have been rolled forward. We appreciate your patience at this time and sincerely apologize for any inconvenience caused. So that's where it stands at the moment. I don't know if it just happened uh, on Wednesday. That's when the show is being recorded. But as of Tuesday, that's what was happening. And you might wonder, why is this going on? Is it just the equivalent of online vandalism? Are people just doing it for kicks? Is it some sort of uh, extortion plot? Is it competition attacking each other? I have to think this is probably an extortion thing because of who they're going after. They're going after the biggest ones and they... uh, They're also hitting America's card room. So so if you think about it, what, what else is really left... I don't think they're doing this on behalf of the competition that isn't Poker Stars or Party Poker or ACR. I just don't think so. Uh, I think that this is something they're doing to be very, very, very disruptive. And when Poker Stars is done pulling out all their hair and concedes that no matter what they do, they can't seem to stop it, that's when they'll probably put out, okay, send us this much in Bitcoin and it's going to stop. And they probably figure Poker Stars is deep pocketed enough to send the Bitcoin and be done. Now, there's a problem if Poker Stars does this, or if Party Poker does this, because then they establish a pattern that whenever these hackers want money again, they just have to start DDoSing uh, Poker Stars or Party and get the money, and they can even claim, oh, we're not the ones that did it last time. <laughs> so, uh, th- this could go on forever. So sometimes you have to just take a, a stance of we don't negotiate with terrorists. And if you lose some business or you have to shut down some tournaments while you're trying to solve the problem, then that's what you have to do. I am surprised that at this point they have not uh, built a more robust system to prevent this. I know it's easier said than done. I know there's a lot of different tactics that can be used to DDoS a site. A lot of different tactics, and this this one seems to be from the connectivity standpoint, as I said, because if it was from a server standpoint, it's from flooding the server to where the server can't process it anymore, then all countries would be affected equally. So from a connectivity standpoint, it can be tough. Sometimes that can be the toughest one to prevent. 
server ones can be easier because th- there's a simple way to stop DDoS attacks from a server standpoint. And that is you just have a program running in the background to shut off all traffic from any IP that seems to be making too many requests in a short period of time. So even if a thousand machines are doing it to you, you can quickly shut off those thousand IPs and, and it's done. You, you'll have a small interruption, but uh, it, your your system can automatically take care of it pretty well. Uh, but when they do it from a connectivity standpoint, when people can't even connect, uh, then no matter what routines you write into your program, then uh, it's, it's pretty useless. So I don't know what methods are being used to commit these DDoSs, but apparently it's pretty effective. PokerStars has not been able to stop it this week. Uh, Party Poker had their problems in America's Card Room. They just have ongoing problems that, that seem to never end. Uh, the America's Card Room was the first one to get them. This is on uh, August 5th that is in this round of attacks. And then August 9th, Party Poker... And then August 12th, Poker Stars. It's not 100% these were all done by the same parties, but there's a good chance it was, especially because none were at the same time. It was like that they uh, moved from one to the other to the other. This is yet another hazard of playing on unregulated sites, is they make their own rules about when these things happen. And I think these are more likely to happen to unregulated sites. You may wonder, well, why is that? Why would they not do this to regulated sites? Regulated sites will often have some sort of policy against doing this. A regulated site may even be prohibited from paying ransoms like this. Or even if they're not prohibited, uh, they may just not do so. Or they may be part of a, a, a parent company that's very large and that would never do this. They'd rather you know, sooner take the loss than, than pay these uh, cyber terrorists. So they're hoping by going after these unregulated sites that, uh, number one, they, all they can think of is their bottom line, and if they think that this is really hurting their bottom line, they might pay to stop it. Uh, number two, they don't think that law enforcement's going to come after them because they're, they're going after sites which are operating in violation of the law. Now, they are going after PokerStars, which uh, operates within the law in certain European countries, but it's still not quite the same thing. If this were to be happening to a U.S. site that is licensed and regulated, I could see the FBI getting involved and tracking down who is behind these attacks and even getting them arrested in another country. I don't think these people doing it are in the U.S., but the U.S. has some pretty good reach. So I I don't even think these hackers would necessarily want to do this to U.S.-facing sites that uh, are operating legally and that might uh, have the power of the FBI behind them. But sites like PokerStars that either uh, operate illegally or semi-illegally, PokerStars isn't really operating illegally anymore, but they they operate in some 
kind of gray market areas where they're not uh, officially allowed to be there, but they're not officially not allowed to be there, so they're just there in certain countries. But there's no capable law enforcement body that would be going to bat for poker stars. And I think the hackers know that. And same with the rest of them. But I'm really hoping they're not paying any kind of ransom. Otherwise, it's just opening up the floodgates. Once once you show hackers that they can get paid for doing this, they're going to do it more and more. They're not going to say, okay, well, we got paid. Okay, we're never doing that again. No. Especially because it can be difficult to tell if it's the same person doing it again to you or if it's a different group of hackers. Uh, it would be like if, if ants were invading your house and if you were able to talk to the ants and say to them, okay, if I give you this much food, uh, will you leave and not come back? Even if you could communicate this to the ants and even if the ants were to say yes and take the food you give them and leave your house... Uh, the next day, more ants would come into your house. And you wouldn't know if it was the same ants you had the agreement with. And you wouldn't, uh, even if it wasn't, it could easily be a different group of ants. And you get the whole problem all over again. So it's the same thing here. You, you can't pay anonymous hackers Bitcoin to leave you alone and trust that you're either not going to be victimized by a, another group of hackers that he- heard you're paying people out, or the same group pretending to be different people. But yeah, these are a problem. And Truff, is it that they're just not investing enough in security? I mean, this is preventable, right? It's somewhat, it just... it's, it's somewhat preventable. As I was saying, uh, some of it can, can it, it, these can be done in so many different ways, and, and some of it, it sounds like, from the description, at least the Poker Stars one, it's being done sort of uh, in, in a connectivity standpoint. And I'm not at all an expert in preventing DDoS attacks. I, I've written some routines on the server side of Poker Fraud Alert where if someone were to try it here, uh, it would automatically be stopped. But, uh, you know, if someone were to, to do it from the standpoint of uh, the, the stopping the connectivity to Poker Fraud Alert at all and, and flooding that way rather than doing it to the server gets overwhelmed, that, that can be very difficult to stop. Now, there are services like, like Cloudfare and other ones out there that are specifically in place to prevent this. And they're kind of like a little gatekeeper to where uh, they examine the traffic first before forwarding it on. I don't know if that is something that uh, poker stars could use or if that wouldn't really work with a poker site. Uh, or maybe it's prohibitively expensive for them to do. I, I don't know. Uh, but could this be stopped? Yes. How much would it cost to have something really effective? I don't know. But they may eventually have to look into that. They may eventually have to just bite the bullet and spend whatever they have to spend to create something to where this can't occur. They may need a Cloudflare-type system to prevent this. But again, I don't know if that works for websites. I don't know how well that would work for a site like PokerStars. So it's, uh, it's a problem. It's something that they're all seeing now. 
I would love to hear if they've gotten any kind of ransom demands, but they probably wouldn't publicize that anyway because they don't want, even if they don't pay the ransoms, they probably would not want to even put ideas in anyone's head to try this. That's why PokerStars kept saying that they're having technical issues rather than saying that they're denial of service attacks. None of the tweets mentioned DDoSs for PokerStars. Party admitted it. PokerStars will not. PokerStars probably figures that they don't want to either inspire copycats or give these people credit. Because it's possible they don't know why it's happening, and it's possible they may be afraid someone's just doing it for kicks, someone's just uh, getting a thrill out of taking down tournaments at PokerStars. There are people who do that too. There are people who just like causing havoc and destruction online for the sake of causing it and for watching the panic that occurs afterwards. It makes them feel powerful. So think of a large site like PokerStars that can't run the Sunday Million just because of them. People can get like a god complex. Like, oh, look what I can do. I'm so smart I can actually prevent the, the biggest online poker tournament in the world from running. Just me. So people could be doing it for that reason. But my my guess is it's going to be about money and extortion, but who knows. So it's possible PokerStars is not mentioning it the DDoS attack. Also not to give that person any thrill for what they're doing. In fact, maybe it would frustrate them that they're doing this and not even getting credit for what they did. Instead, it just looks like PokerStars is having their own technical difficulties. So there, there could be many reasons why they won't put that out there. It could also be that they don't want to scare away their customers to think that maybe hackers or, you know, customers won't understand all of this. Some of them will just equate this with hackers who could get into the system and, and see their whole cards and things that really wouldn't happen or un- unlikely to happen and are unrelated to DDoS attacks. But the, I, I think maybe they don't want to scare the customer base that any form of cyber attack can be effective against poker stars because then it can make people feel like their money isn't secure and that the games may not be fair. So that could also be a reason they don't mention it. I'll give you guys an update if we have one in the near future if this is still going on or if it uh, stops and uh, if anything is found out about the attacks and why they're occurring. Not much more to say at this point. So the next topic Did I lose my agenda? I I always lose the agenda at least once Always at least once Yeah, I did lose it Okay, so the next topic is Also a, a technical topic But something very, very different CG technology which used to be known as Cantor Gaming, was fined by the Nevada Gaming Commission. And the fine was actually for uh, some pretty ugly-sounding stuff. They were fined uh, for... Let me get to this. I've... Don't have this right in front of me here. Here we are. 
They were fined for illegally accepting out-of-state bets, taking wagers after the contest was completed, and underpaying or overpaying players. Now, you may wonder what's the big deal about taking out-of-state bets. Well, the problem is the... The apps that are available for these Nevada casinos are similar to the poker games run on sites like WSUP.com, where you can do it legally, but only if you're physically standing in Nevada. Now, with with the sports betting, you have to set this up in advance. But uh, once you've got it set up, then any time you're in the state of Nevada physically standing in Nevada, you can play sports bets on your phone. And apparently, Cantor Gaming was accepting bets from people who were not in Nevada. People were just using the system from elsewhere, and it worked. Now, I don't understand why they were taking wagers after the contest was completed. I have to imagine that would be something that would hurt Cantor, because if you already know the the result of a game, of course, you're going to bet the winning side. Talk about a free roll. But apparently people placed bets after the games were over, presumably on the winning side, and we talk about free money there. And then the underpaying and overpaying players, I'll explain that shortly. So they got fined. Trader Ruski, how much would you think a fine would be for all those things combined? And I'll give you a frame of reference. Two years ago, they got fined $22 million or $22.5 million in that scandal where they were cooperating with bookmakers, with illegal bookmakers who were you know, taking – basically bookies were taking action and, and laying some of it off at uh, Cantor Properties, and they knew it. So they got fined $22.5 million for that whole thing. So how much do you think the fine would be for the three things they did here combined, which was the taking out-of-state bets – the allowing bets after the contests were completed and, and underpaying and overpaying players in certain circumstances. How much would that fine be, you think? Well, I was going to guess much less before you told me what the past fine is. So I think based on that, it's got to be $35, million. Well, actually, much, much less. So it wasn't even as much as... One million dollars. Did you hear that? Did it come through? I did. You did hear it. Oh, maybe maybe the new Skype is good. Maybe they fixed that problem. Yeah, one million dollars, it wasn't even that. It was $250,000, would you believe? Oh, my God. I talk about a slap on the wrist. Now, the reason the fine was so laughably low, and believe me, for Cantor Gaming, uh, which is now called CG Technologies, that, that's nothing. I mean, for for you and I, two hundred fifty thousand would be pretty steep. But uh, for for Cantor Gaming, for CG Technologies, that's nothing. So, why was the fine so small? It's because they actually self-reported. They rather than allow, rather than waiting for themselves to be caught, they went to Nevada Gaming and said, "Hey, uh, guess what we did? <laughs> guess what uh, mistakes we've made here?" So, since it was self-reported, they got a huge break. Because they had not been caught yet, so they, they they basically were still being punished for what they did. But uh, since they brought it to their attention, it was uh, first of all believed to be unintentional, which I believe, especially the second thing, which could only hurt them. That taking bets after the contest is over, and and second that they they want to encourage self-reporting. 
Otherwise, if the fine is going to be as big as if it wasn't self-reported, then no one's going to self-report. So here's the details on the different stuff that happened. As far as the out-of-state bets that were placed, CJ Technology admitted that they received a sports bet from Maryland and accepted it. And that they actually caught that. They actually caught that a bet from Maryland was placed and accepted. So they said, okay, well, we better uh, uh, fix the system. We better fix the system to where it checks the IPs better. And uh, so it won't allow these wagers from out of state. I don't know what the mistake was. I don't know what the problem was. But uh, for whatever reason, that one bet from Maryland got through. And they modified their system to prevent this from happening. There's one little problem that occurred, though. Uh, They never actually installed the modifications. (laughs) I'm not kidding. They, They made the modifications, but they never installed them. So at that point, more out of state wagers came in. Some from Arizona, from Texas, and California. And the Nevada Gaming Commission noted that this violates federal, state, and local laws. Uh, Federal, of course, because you can never sports bet across state lines, and that's still true today. Uh, State, in that uh, the Nevada state law, is that all bets made on these apps has to be within the state of Nevada. Local, I don't know, probably something similar. There were... So that uh, that was the accepting out-of-state bets thing. It wasn't intentional. It was just incompetence that they they saw it happen. They, they caught one, and then they made changes and somehow never installed them, so then more bets from out-of-state were made. In October 2016, there were 33 wagers made after a college football game was actu- was, af- was completed already. And... A week later, in October 2016, another nine wagers were made after the game was over. <laughs> so, those people got away with murder. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they collected the money back. They may have caught it and taken the money back out of these people's accounts. They didn't say what happened with that, but uh, there were at least forty-two bets made. Thirty-three on one game, nine on another on college football games that were already completed. That's a great system. In October 2017, a year later, the line changed while people were placing bets. And apparently the system just gave them the new line without warning them of the line change and asking if they still want to place the bet. So let me explain that for people who don't know. The line on a game in sports is is basically the odds, either the odds or the point spread. So let, let's let's go from the point spread standpoint. There, it's pretty much the same situation, which I'm going to get into. But uh, let's say there's a game with the Denver Nuggets against the Golden State Warriors, and the Golden State Warriors are the better team, so they're the favorite. So in order to make the bet even on both sides, there's a point spread. And so let's say the point spread is nine and a half points. What that means, let's say nine and a half points and Golden State Warriors are the favorite. Okay? So what that would mean, 
would be that the Warriors have to win by 10 or more for your bet to win, if you bet on them. And if you bet on the Nuggets, who are a 9.5-point underdog, then you'll win the bet either if the Nuggets win by anything or if the Nuggets lose by 9 or fewer points. So what the 9.5 means is that uh, you can't tie. It means uh, uh, a 9 or fewer point victory for the Warriors will be a Nuggets win, if you bet on them, and uh, a 10-point or more victory for the Warriors will mean a Warriors bet will win. That's what the point spread is. So, of course, it's better for you if uh, the line moves in a direction that uh, that helps you. So let's say you, you if, let's say the Warriors are a 9.5-point favorite, then the line moves to 9. Well, that's better because now if it's a 9-point game, you tie instead of lose. So they're they're always moving these lines based on various circumstances that can occur. Sometimes it has to do with how much is bet on each side, where they're trying to get it more even, where, where uh, they're taking about the same amount of money on each side bet. Sometimes it has to do with news about the game. Uh, there's a number of factors that come in that will change the lines throughout the day. And... You never know when a line is going to change. You never know what direction it's going to move. So that, those are the point spreads, but there's also the odds. So like in baseball, they typically do it to where there's just certain odds you get paid, and there's you get paid a lot more for an underdog winning than, than a, a favorite winning. So let's take the, the New York Yankees uh, playing at home against uh, the Baltimore Orioles, who's a terrible team. The Yankees are very good. You, you'll have something like where the Yankees are a two-and-a-half-to-one favorite. So if you bet $100 on the Yankees, or if you bet $250 on the Yankees, you'd only win 100 there. But yet if you bet only 100 on the Orioles, you'd win 250 So that, that's how they make it to where the worst team... Uh, it's, it can still be worth betting on the team that's more likely to lose because you get paid a lot more than even money. That's, that's just a very basic course in sports betting for those that don't know. So as I mentioned, all this stuff changes throughout the day. So what happened was on some game, uh, there was a line movement in the actual odds. I don't know what sports it was, but it was actually something where it had to do how much people get paid. Now, when they change a line, so let's say you you see a, a line you like. Let's let's take the baseball thing again. So let's say I see the Baltimore Orioles. It's uh, it's what's called plus two fifty, which means I had to bet a hundred to win two fifty. So let's say I say, okay, I'm going to bet two hundred dollars on this. So I enter two hundred. I hit submit, and it's supposed to give me a. Uh, it's either a confirmation screen saying, okay, your bet has been placed. You've bet 200. If you win, you're going to get 500 plus your 200 back that you bet originally. Either you get your confirmation screen or an error screen. If the line moved between the time when I was entering it in there and press submit, then it should not place that bet and should say, hold it. The line has changed. Here's the new line. Do you still want it? Some of them will have a setting where if the line got better, you automatically get the better one, but where you always get asked for the worst one, it depends. But at the very least, you're always supposed to be given notice that the line changed. And then you can make a decision what you want to do. 
Well, in October 2017, there were times that the line changed and they didn't do this. They just placed the bet at the odds that person submitted at. So they said in October 2017, 783 players received too much money, where the line had actually gotten worse for them, but they got the old line. They got the old better line because it never stopped them. And 700 players got less than they were supposed to get because the line actually moved in their favor. Which I guess the odds moved in their favor. And uh, it still gave them the old worse odds, which is not supposed to do. It's always supposed to stop and say, wait a minute, this changed. Do you still want it? Didn't do that. So 1,483 people in, 2007, in October 2017 alone got paid the wrong amount. 783 got paid too much. 700 got paid too little. Overall, the money was not that big. Uh, the 783 people got a total of $7,368 more than they were supposed to get. And the 700 people got 4465 less than they were supposed to get. So overall, the casino actually lost about 2900 on this whole thing, which isn't big money. But some individuals got screwed by small amounts of money each. And others got overpaid. So, so basically, these were just flaws in the system. There were also other violations listed in the complaint. And I don't have a list of those, but I, I guess these were all related to their old Cantor sports system, which just was very buggy. So they have agreed to uh, stop using that old system. They've agreed that uh, that's going to be uh, on hold while they get a new system that uh, will be in place. They're going to uh, replace the old Cantor sports system. They also agreed to give additional training to their employees over the next five years. I'm not sure what that would have prevented, but they have... uh, I, you know what? I don't even think this is all necessarily mobile wagering either. I think some of this was done in person. I think that's the reason they're training employees. Definitely the out-of-state bets were done mobile wagering because uh, clearly someone in Maryland could not have uh, walked over to a Nevada casino to place a bet. But uh, And if they had, then it, it would have been legal because they'd be in Nevada. But uh, the other stuff, I'm not sure where it occurred. So some of these could have occurred on property. Can you imagine you're on property and you actually walk? Yeah, I'd like to bet on uh, on this Notre Dame game uh, at uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, uh, sir, the the game actually uh, you said it's 11 a.m. That game uh, it's actually 3 p.m. right now. The game's over. Then I still want to bet on it. Um, okay, sir, I'm taking your bet. Oh, congratulations, you won. If that occurred in person, that'd be really funny. If it's a computer, then that's still funny, but not quite as funny. But if they actually took bets in person for games that were already completed, that would be amazing. I wish I wish this article was more clear about that. So, as I said, they were only fined 250000 because 
these infractions were self-reported and because they agreed that they're going to replace the system that made these mistakes. And also that the placing bets on games that were already completed only hurt the casino and never the player. So while that's still illegal, it's something that uh, the player could never get hurt on. So more more pain for Cantor Gaming and the fine from twenty two uh, from October two thousand sixteen the twenty two and a half million dollar fine. If you remember, that one involved even some poker players who were part of a bookmaking ring. There were certain people who were arrested in a uh, bookmaking ring that stretched from Las Vegas to New Jersey, and there were a number of poker players who actually. Uh, were were part of this whole thing, and and even a sports betting tout, a scam sports betting tout, named uh, Adam Meyer, who got in trouble for extortion later on. Uh, he was one of their biggest customers, and they they were, in fact, he was one of their biggest informants too for the government. They got uh, eventually got Cantor in trouble back then. That wasn't known at the time, but it was later found out when Meyer himself was prosecuted for the extortion that he committed against a uh, Wisconsin businessman. But uh, sometimes bookies will use casinos to lay off some of the action. And this way they can keep their high-rolling customers. So let's let's say you have a guy that's betting all the time, and you love having him as a customer, as a bookie. But then he wants to play some huge bet that you don't want to take the chance on. You know, let's say the guy is usually betting uh, up to five thousand dollars, and you're okay with that. But then he wants to bet fifty thousand dollars on a game, and you think to yourself, "Hey, I I don't want to take this bet from him because if I lose, it's going to crush me. To lose fifty k in one game, my my roll's not that big." So as a bookie, what you can do is just accept the bet from him and then go over to a sports book and actually bet 45000 at the sports book on the side he's betting. So he doesn't know that. For all he knows that uh, you're just covering all the action. And the reason these bookies do that is because they, they don't want to uh, they they want you to believe you can just take any action. They these ones who these high rollers these uh, or semi high rollers who who make these uh, sports bets they they just want their bookie to take the action that they want to give. And as long as they get paid when they win, that's all they care about. So this is the way these bookies can not have to take that risk yet take almost any bet that their customers want to make. However. It's not that easy for the bookies to do because often these books will not take very large bets other than on super, super high-profile events like the Super Bowl. So Cantor was taking these large bets from certain people who were known to be bookies. This is back in October 2016. And they were fine with it because they were, uh, they were getting business. Kind of don't ask, don't tell. So they eventually got in trouble for that. 
they got that uh, massive $22.5 million fine, which was by far the largest fine related to a sports betting violation that it was ever handed down. So this is the first time they've gotten in trouble since then. They also paid a fine in 2006, a much smaller fine, for... Uh, I forgot what the violation was, but they, 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 this is the third time they've had to pay a fine. But the one back in 2016 was by far the biggest. The one just now was only uh, 250000 Yeah, and, and in uh, 2006, it was uh, $1.5 million, but I, I don't know what the details were on that one. By the way, the October 2016 fine, most of that went to the federal government. Only 700000 went to the state. I'm not sure why. Probably based upon the nature of what was being done because it was, uh, it was an, internet, an interstate sports betting ring. So that's probably why it was considered more of a federal violation. So I guess the U.S. government got $21.8 million and 700000 went to the state of Nevada. That's pretty interesting, though, to think about how in 2016 and 2017 these type of things were happening. In 2016, people were actually able to place bets on games that had already finished. In 2017, people were able to, uh, people were getting the wrong odds due to technical difficulties. Crazy. You'd think they'd have all this worked out by this point, even one or two years ago. I mean, that's their whole business. What else are they doing? Yeah, I know. This is right. This is, uh, even though these operate in, in casinos, these are, you know, this, this is the business, the CG technologies. This is exactly what they do. Is they, they run sports books and they run these. And I wonder lines. how many people, I mean, I wonder, wonder if any, any people bet the game that had already happened and it was late into the game and lost. You know, because sometimes I'll reschedule a game and you want to bet Notre Dame, which is number 522 or whatever. And you didn't realize it had moved to noon. It was oh. supposed to start at three. <laughs> so, so yeah, so they so they don't know the game's yeah. already played. Yeah, and then they then they bet it and lose. That that's like the the at that point you just quit sports betting. If you actually bet on a that game that's already, you bet on a game that's already over and lose, then you, it's time to quit. By the way, I, I have a, a sports betting story of a error in a system that uh, from over twenty years ago uh, there was a sports betting site called Centerbet, which I still believe exists in Australia, and they did accept Americans then. It was one of the few sports books out there that you could use on the internet. And they actually used to have to manually approve each bet, even though you would place the bet online. So you'd place it online, and then some person would quickly review it, and you'd get an email saying, bet has been accepted. Well, there was a Yankees game where there was a glitch in the system where you just got paid an insane amount if the game were to win. So, like, and I don't know how I thought I'd get away with this, but if you bet, like, $100, uh, you, you'd get something like 100000 if they won. There's no way they would have ever paid me, so I don't know why I even bothered. 
would have been like a negative free roll. But I, I went and did it anyway. And I'm so proud of myself. And it, I get this email, okay, your bet's been placed. So like it actually placed the bet, but I didn't get the confirmation that they've accepted it. And then I got back an email saying, yeah, sorry, bet was not accepted. And then I went back on there and they had fixed the odds to be the normal odds. But they actually saved me money because the Yankees lost that game. How frustrating would that have been to have bet a hundred to win a hundred thousand on the Yankees, and then uh, it loses? And you, you can't even say, "Well, just hedge the other side," because you don't even know if you're going to get paid. So you, you know, you wouldn't want to hedge the other side. But imagine if you know you don't hedge the other side because you're not sure if you're going to get paid, and uh, and then it loses. And then you find, but then you find out later that other people got paid for something similar that had happened. Now that would be a bad beat. Uh, I remember they also uh, they also had rules on what was what was site was it? So one of these sites had a rule that if you placed a bet on a game that was already over, that they would ban you permanently. I forgot which sports betting site it was. But one of them actually had that rule. This is more recently. That if you try to pull that, you're just going to get banned. I mean, I don't blame them. A, obviously, you're just trying to rip them off at that point if you do that. What I did wasn't trying to rip them off. But it was a glitch there, but they were offering those odds. It's not my responsibility to check their odds or to not bet when the when the deal is, is too good. I shouldn't have bet it just because they wouldn't have paid me, but Aside from that, uh, that one I didn't feel guilty about. But yeah, betting on something that's already over is a different story. But imagine doing that at a, a regular Nevada casino. <laughs> Just even if it's through their app. In, in 2016, the game's over, and you just bet it. Okay, I won. Like you, you know the game's over. You know the result, and you're looking through the choices for the day. Wait a minute, am I seeing this right? Can I can I bet on this game which is over already? Okay, I bet. Okay, you win. <laughs> so it doesn't say whether these people were paid or if they took the money back. I'd be curious to know about that one. Canter Gaming in trouble once again. Let's go to the next topic. Another uh, casino topic. Charles Oakley, we talked about him on a recent show. He got in some trouble. It's amazing when you see these highly paid former NBA stars doing things like this. But Charles Oakley got in trouble for cheating regarding his bet sizing at, at a casino. So uh, he's he's made a plea bargain, and he's not actually going to go to jail. So here's, here's the story on that one, which is, is pretty amazing, especially because who it involves. Uh, let me bring this up here. See, I lost the... Uh, where is this? I have the story up. 
had the story but it vanished. Let me get this back. Here we are. Okay, so Charles Oakley, who actually wasn't Blackjack, he was playing Ultimate Texas Hold'em. And he took back a $100 chip on a lost hand. Not a poker game, though. That, that, that. No, it was, it was. The table ult- game. No, right? the, the table game, uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em. Got it. So the, there are, are four different squares where you can bet. One says trips, one says ante, one says blind, and one says play. Uh, his was on the play circle. And you put your bet on there when you think you have a good hand. And apparently he yanked the $100 back when he thought he was going to lose. But then that was not the only time that he cheated. Apparently he also added chips to his bet when it looked like he was going to win. Though on those he was betting less than 100 and that one he he, uh, he added chips to give himself $125 extra on the two hands combined. So this whole thing uh, netted him $225. For these three hands total, he pulled he pulled back a hundred dollar chip he was going to lose. He added chips to two other hands that totaled one hundred twenty five dollars extra to get him extra winnings. That that was it. Two hundred twenty five dollars. So he was caught, and and was arrested. And this was reported actually on uh, TMZ when it occurred. And this is called a – it's a Class B felony, which is called a changing a wager after the outcome is known. Oakley was arrested by Nevada gaming enforcement agents, and the maximum jail time for this is one to six years in prison and up to a $10,000 fine, though uh, that would be unlikely to be the penalty, especially the prison especially for a first-time offender and for some, such a small amount of money. So this week, Charles Oakley pleaded no contest to a lesser charge of misdemeanor disorderly conduct, which is weird. Disorderly conduct would be something like if he was just drunk and causing trouble there, not uh, cheating. Disorderly conduct never has to do with cheating. It's kind of a weird plea down. So he's not going to spend any time in jail. Charles Oakley did have enough money to hire the high-powered attorney team of Chesnoff and Schoenfeld, who always they always seem to be involved in these high-profile uh, cases in Las Vegas. Mike hired them, by the way. Someone else that. Uh, Brandon is friends with once hired them for something else, and they were successful. So these these guys just always seem to be successful in what they're trying to do. I've always wondered if Chesnoff and Schoenfeld might have some sort of uh, influence, shall I say, on the court. In a town like Las Vegas, it wouldn't surprise me. But I'm not kidding. If, if I were to get into some sort of uh, criminal situation there that was serious... 
in Las Vegas. I would definitely hire Chestnut and Schoenfeld. They're, they're not cheap. And they, this probably costs Oakley like uh, $100,000, which is kind of weird. You know, <laughs> if you think about it, he's trying to cheat for 225 bucks, and he's going to probably pay like 100000 to get out of this. But he hired the best, and uh, this has resolved the situation. He gets convicted of a misdemeanor, but doesn't spend any time in jail. And that's that. Oakley is currently working. He's uh, currently a coach in a uh, college basketball league. So that's what uh, he's doing right now. But he made a lot of money during his career, and he played for a long time. And he played, uh, he's best known for his 10 seasons with the New York Knicks. In his career... He took in $46 million, though. He lost a lot of that taxes. He lost some of that to his agent. So he didn't actually have $46 million, but still, he had a lot of money. And he probably made some additional money from endorsements or whatever. But no matter how much money you make, you can always waste it. It's also possible he just did this inexplicably to save money even though the money didn't mean much to him it's possible he isn't broke but that he just thought he could get away with it he was just losing and thought okay here's a way to not lose as much and here's a way to get a little back Sometimes, did any video ever come out to show any of that I, no? I don't think so but uh I mean, he definitely did this, and it's it's weird the small amounts of money involved. It's very weird. And it's very weird he thought he'd get away with it, too. It's weird that he thinks at a casino that, that they're not wise to this. It's like He's like, hey, look at this. What if they're just dealers not looking? I just pull a hundred away. Ha, 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 they didn't take my hundred. I can't believe no one thought of this before. And it's not like he stands out or anything, too. Yeah. I, I can't believe they never thought of this before. No chance they're watching me. It's not like I'm anyone who's well-known. I'm just blending in here. Just moving some chips around when no one's looking. Get away with $225 extra that I shouldn't have. Crazy. So. I... Uh, the most surprising thing to me in this whole story, though, is that he hired Chestnut and Schoenfeld because I, I would think he wouldn't have that money if he's uh, cheating to win two hundred twenty-five bucks. Really weird. Unless they took this case uh, for a lot cheaper because he's a big name and they just wanted to add this to their resume, but they've done so many impressive things already. And the from the criminal defense standpoint, I don't think they really need anything more. It's not like they're just trying to make a name for themselves now. Yeah, and it wasn't a huge case. I mean, you could say maybe they're trying to 
you know, get business from all the NBAers, but. Yeah, I mean, it could be something like that. The $100 chip story, I don't know if that's going to get the Michael Jordan doing something. Yeah. You're right. I know that, and that's and that's part of the reason they were able to be successful in this particular case is that it, the amount of money involved was uh, so small. So, yeah, for those of you who are wondering, though, it, it's very serious business to ever try to manipulate what you're supposed to get paid in these table games, as innocent as it can seem, or as, as I shouldn't say innocent, as minor as it may seem. Like even if you try to manipulate five bucks or something like that, uh, uh, it's it's treated seriously. You should never do it, and they catch it too. Now, if you're accidentally paid something, then it is not your responsibility to give it back. Uh, if, if they catch it, you have to give it back. But if they, you will not get in trouble if they overpay you and you don't say anything, unless you're in cahoots with the dealer. But they'd have to prove that. So if you get overpaid, don't feel like you've got to give it back or you're going to prison. It's not going to be like that. But at the same time, if, if you make any actions to manipulate the amount that you either lost or won, then you can get in trouble. They, they will take it seriously, even for small amounts of money. Even if you're Charles Oakley. So that matter is finished. It is over. And we shall move on to talk about Lily Coletto, a female poker player, an Asian female poker player. I don't think I've ever met a girl named Lily who isn't Asian. Have you? Come to think of it, I don't think I have. Yeah, they're always Asian, these Lilies. But uh, Lily Coletto is indeed Asian. And uh, she was recently on a uh, Poker Night in America episode with uh, Kelly Minkin, who made it very deep in the main event this year. And uh, Kelly Minkin did a an infamous five-bet all-in with seven-deuce offsuit. And Coletto had uh, ace-king suited. And uh, she actually folded. So a very, very ballsy five-bet by five-bet all-in from Kelly Minkin. Later that night, for some reason, uh, Coletto and Minkin agreed to a prop bet where uh, they would arm wrestle. And uh, Lily Coletto easily won. So Ke- Kelly Menken is is known to be aggressive and uh, and a force in poker, but uh, I guess uh, physically she really isn't. She doesn't look like Kelly Menken doesn't look like a, a girl who's particularly strong. So I guess she wasn't, and Coletto easily won. Uh, Lily Coletto, she kind of you know I, I haven't seen that much of her. And the picture I'm looking at now, yeah, I would I would guess she would uh, probably have won that match, that arm wrestling match, but not like for sure. But uh, she has entered two different physical prop bets with other girls, I guess kind of inspired by what she did with Kelly Minkin. So Lily Coletto and uh, Danielle Anderson are going to do a bench pressing contest, and they're betting $2,000 on this. 
So whoever can bench more will win the 2K. Now, Coletto insists that she's never bench-pressed in her life and that she says she can only do 25 push-ups. And Danielle Anderson has posted a lot of different uh, pictures over time of her weightlifting. She, she's into CrossFit, and she there's actually pictures of her weightlifting that she puts up on her Instagram. And you can see by her arms, you know, for a girl, she looks very strong, Danielle Anderson. So uh, I, I can't imagine how Lily Coletto thinks she's going to win this. If she has no experience with this, and Danielle Anderson has pictures all over the place looking all muscular and lifting weights, I mean, who's going to win this, obviously? So um, Coletto just said, if I can beat Danielle, then it would be embarrassing for her, and that would bring me great joy. Now, it is true that someone found a 2016 post from Lily Coletto uh, where she's uh, working out and, uh, like, jumping rope or something. But, uh, yeah, she was trying to do a 1,000 jumps per day. She wasn't successful, as I could see. But uh, uh, so, so there are pictures of her working out also. But, you know, there's different jumping rope and, and weightlifting. I just someone who's who does this uh, all the time and then you try to enter in a bench press competition against them, you're probably gonna lose if you have no experience yourself. So this is going to take place uh, let's see, it's it's not gonna be too long from now. Actually I'm not sure when. I don't I don't have it down uh, uh, so, now, Lily Coletto does say that this would be a challenge. And she claims that she can squat 300 pounds. So that uh, she just has to train her arms to be able to do the uh, the bench pressing. Yeah, bench pressing is a lot different than squatting. So I would take Lily Coletto uh, over... Just an average girl, but uh, against Daniel Anderson, I have to say that uh, I don't think she's going to win. But I'll get to why I think she's doing this. And this is the second prop bet she has, another physical prop bet involving another girl. This is against uh, Jamie Kerstetter. But this will not have to do with strength. It has to do with speed and endurance. They're going to bet $1,000 on a one-mile race. That'll be in two months. So... They, they're going to race there, and uh, I, I think that Jamie Kerstetter has some experience in running, too. So Now, Coletto may have that, so that, that one I'm not sure of who's the favorite in that one. But th- those are the two prop bets she has going. But I think I know the reason for all of this. Now, let's look at the amounts. 2000 and 1000 Now, is that a lot of money? Is that, is that big money here? Is it, is it going to really matter much financially to her? Whether she wins or loses these, you know, she loses them both. It's three k out the window. But look what she's accomplished. Uh, she's gotten idiots like me to talk about it, and the poker media. And now her name is out there. Now people are paying attention. Now people are going to w- want to see the results of this. What will that translate to? Well, perhaps more sponsorships, more attention. So, yeah, Lily Coletto, being a uh, pretty young woman who's in good shape. Uh, Who's, who's had some success in poker. She uh, 
she probably wants to keep her name out there and figures that this is a way to do it. And that uh, the cost of doing so, the 3K, is is probably worth it. So that's probably why these bet amounts are so low. And I, I, I bet the girls on the other side, uh, uh, Danielle Anderson and Jamie Kerstad, would probably feel the same thing. They, 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 it, it's publicity for them, too. So that, that's why I bet it's all happening here. Now, this is interesting. Someone's trying to call in, but I can't take the call or it's going to put Trader Ruski on hold. This may, this may be a problem with the new Skype. Well, give it a try. Well no, it already, call me back. well, no, I already said that. Can't connect me again? What, what I think I'll do is uh, I will connect you, and then uh, I'll try some experiments myself. Is it, this? I, I'm glad you can hear the sound effects. Let's see if you can still hear them. I'm going to try right now. I'm going to debug the show during the show. Can you hear this? <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, okay. So it looks like one big problem is fixed with the new Skype. So like I didn't have to set anything. This, it looks like they've just fixed it, which which is good. But uh, I never knew why they changed this in the first place. It, it used to always work, and then they did away with it. Then they allowed you to share sounds. It was very complicated and mostly didn't work. So it looks like the new Skype fixed that, which is great. But it looks like, I don't know about the connection. I hope we can still connect multiple people. So I'm going to connect you back on directly, and then I'll I'll do a test call to myself. We'll see if it works. I'm going to turn off those damn sounds, too. Ugh. So you're going you're to hear the stupid Skype sound now, which is... Okay. See, I don't want to hear that. It's, it's a little more jazzy than it used to be, though. Okay, so we have, tr- we have Trader Ruski on. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to call into my own show with my cell phone. And I'm going to see if uh, it will let me connect myself on. Because we, we did have that problem before where, for some reason, between when you and I were connected, if someone else would call in, if you called into here first, that I couldn't take the call. So that could still be the issue. So I'm going to call up. We'll see if this works. But I swear, if this won't let me take calls from people without putting the co-hosts on hold, it's going to piss me off. It's going to really piss me off. It's calling. And the call's not even coming through. Let's see here. Okay, now it's just ringing. See, I'm not even seeing an indication. Of oh, I see. Yeah, answering this call, place it on hold. What a joke. Well, let's see if I can... Well, no. then maybe you can merge them after that. Let me try. No, you can't no, merge it. No. What a joke. What a joke. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure this out because it's not it's not letting me do it. That that, that would be a huge problem if, if Skype can't take incoming calls without putting the host, co-host on hold. I see I can add people on. I can add people myself. Like if I wanted to add Calwater or something, I could. But, but it looks like that uh, these calls coming in, it says that uh, it puts the other call on hold. It doesn't add them to group. They always have to ruin Skype in some way. It's, it's so stupid. They they can't it's just leave well enough alone. Why, why can't they just leave Skype the same way it was 10 years ago? It's not like they really improved anything. They, the interface looks a little more modern. Big deal. All right. I'm, I'm going to 
You know, I have a 2007 picture of myself on Skype, and it's appropriate because I, I wish it was 2007 to use Skype. The 2007 Skype was much better than the Skype today. All right, we're going to go on here. Sorry. Oh, we're not going to try to get the caller on? Can't you just call him and patch him in? Yeah, I don't feel like it. Or her. <laughs> I don't feel like it. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was her I would feel like it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a dude. All right, let's move on here. Yeah, I, I get all happy that the sound effects work, and then something else is broken. That's Skype. Skype, we never have everything working at once. Okay, so I want to talk about the situation at Arizona Talking Stick. There was a flood. There's a flood in Arizona, which you wouldn't expect in, in the summer, that uh, Arizona is going to have a tournament postponed from a flood, but, but that's what happened. There actually was a flood at Arizona Talking Stick, and they had to cancel an in-progress tournament. It was a $1,100 buy-in event, and they actually had a first starting day that was complete. Whoever's trying to call, don't call in. I can't take the calls right now. So the tournament was uh, just past day 1A. They hadn't even played day 1B or 1C. And then this major storm that came through created serious water damage to the main and backup power generators. Local officials in that area called the storm a monsoon. And they actually had to evacuate all the hotel guests when the power went out. So they had 553 enter day 1A and 90 of those 553 people moved day 2. They did not get to have a day 1B or 1C because of the storm. Uh, For reference, they got 1,700 people total in 2017. And the first prize was uh, $265,000. So they, they were left with a tough situation on their hands. Uh, because they had to figure out what to do about those who had played 1A. Uh, they were able to just give a straight refund for everybody who had, who had signed up but not played yet for 1B or 1C, but what do you do with 1A? Because you had people who entered and busted, and you had people who made it onto day two. So what they ended up doing was as follows. This is what they tweeted out. For those who played uh, played in or signed up for Arizona State Poker Championship, the refund policy is as follows. Those who signed up for Saturday and Sunday play can receive a full refund by taking their sign-up ticket and valid ID to the Casino Arizona main cage for a full refund. If you played in a satellite tournament and received a ticket, you will receive an $1,100 refund by also taking your ticket to the main cage. The remaining players who completed on who competed on Friday and still had chips remaining We'll split a prize pool of 553000 based upon the ICM chip count that will be announced at a later date. So basically you're going to be paid according to your chip count if you survived. You're one of those 90 people who survived. And how would you feel if, uh, if you were the chip leader after day one? Would you feel good about that? Would you feel good that you're just getting paid the most? Of her? You're not getting first place money here, so you're just going to get... Uh, uh, you know, through the calculation of what that big stack is worth at this point with 90 left. Would you feel happy about that, that you're, you're getting paid 
the most out of everybody with only having to play one day, or would you be pissed feeling like, hey, I could have won it and won 265000 How many players left? 90. Yeah, we'd certainly be disappointed, but you're getting, you're getting cashed out, and, you know, what can you do? Yeah, and where you're going to do the best is if you're a very short stack with this ICM chip count calculations, the, the people who have the short stacks always uh, get a little bit overpaid for what they deserve. So those people have got to be thrilled that they're going to come back with just about nothing and and get paid probably a lot more than their equity really was. But, uh, yeah, I have to th- think the people who are the biggest stacks are kind of pissed. But that, that's the way it goes. It wasn't – they weren't expecting this to happen. Now, if you are one of those 90 people who is listening to this show and you have not uh, gotten your refund and you've already left Arizona, you don't have to panic, you can actually mail them your registration receipt along with your name and and address to Talking Stick Resort, attention Heidi Harris slash Poker Room, 8900 East Chaparral Road, Suite 1010, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85250. And they'll mail you a check. They're trying to cover all bases here. Uh, I'm not even sure if they've reopened. I think they're going to reopen this weekend. I I think they're probably still closed. In fact, I I shouldn't be taking a guess at this. Why don't we just call them? Why don't we try to make use of this uh, ability to call out but not in right now with the Poker Fraud Alert Radio? I want to look up the talking stick. Resort phone number. Let's see if I can reach them. Talking Stick Resort, 480-850-7777. Okay. So we're going to try to make our our first uh, outgoing call on this new Skype. Good evening, Casino Arizona and Talking Stick Resort. How may I help you? Um, hello, uh, Ken and Nigel Fabsham here. Can you hear me? Oh, crap. No, it's not letting me add you. No, I can hear you. No, no, I, I, but I hung up on them. It's so weird. Like I, I add it, but then it doesn't. Let me try this again. Oh, oh wait. Was she on here? Did she hang up on me? I don't know. I shouldn't have updated this. The sound effects aren't worth it. And try this one more time. Yeah, it might just take a few seconds to click in. Hold on. Had to call. Done. No. Okay. It says no results found for this number. You can send them an invite to join Skype or call the number, but you can't. Oh, I see. So you can't even add these outside numbers to Skype? This is horrible. Good evening, Casino Arizona and Talking Stick Resort. How may I help you? Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabersham here. Um, I, I've got a question here, if you don't mind. Um, yes. Uh, are, are you back open after the flood? No, not until uh, maybe Sunday. All right, so, so I've got a question. Um, if you're not open, how are you at work? How are you able to work there? If it's not fit for people to come in there, how, how is it fit for you to be at work? Why are you even answering the phone? I'm, at, I'm not in... 
the same building. I'm in a different building. Uh, I see, I see. So you're, you're not and actually... besides that, the, our Casino Arizona is open. All right. So so, uh, so so they're just forwarding the calls elsewhere. You're not at the Talking Stick Resort is what you're saying. No, that's completely closed. That's why I'm not there. All right, right. So they're, they're forwarding it on elsewhere. And uh, um, How many inches of water on the ground right now? Do you know that? That I don't know. I'm not there, so I really can't tell you. All right. And, and, and when are they going to reopen? Sunday. Sunday. All right. Uh, are they sure all the wa- is all the water going to be dried up by then? And, and um, what if the, the, the water just is a little bit slower in drying up? It will, it will perhaps be up on Monday or Tuesday or something like that. I really can't answer that, sir. I really don't know. All right. And, um, okay, so I guess I don't have more questions. Tell you how Pip Pip is going on with it. Anything else can uh, I help you well, with? Well, I, I said tell you how Pip Pip is going on with it. You know what that means, don't you? What's that? I, I said tell you how Pip Pip is going on with it. Now, in in London, this that's the way we say goodbye. You don't say goodbye in London. You say, tally-ho, pip-pip, let's get on with it. That's what I just said to you. So now you are, you're welcome to hang up the phone. Okay. All Have right. a good night. All right. Tally-ho, pip-pip. I, I had to actually connect you on after I connected her. This, this new Skype yeah, sucks. Yeah, I saw that. That was a little weird. This, this new Skype sucks. It's, it's the worst. It's a, I, may, I, I, I can say I'd like to go back to the old one, but I, they're going to discontinue the old one where you can't even connect to their servers. How, how come everything has to just end? How, how come good things can't just, can't just stay? Things, you can't well, just, they'll fix it eventually. I mean, Microsoft, that's their history. They've been doing that for 30 years. It just pisses me off. Like, how am I going to conduct radio like this? What a joke. I've been dealing with these idiosyncrasies for years, but this is this is the worst. If I can't even connect people onto a group, when, when I'm maybe tomorrow, I'll, I'll try to figure this out. Maybe there's something I'm missing, but this is outrageous that you can't connect anyone onto the call who isn't like a contact of yours. Like you have to have them in the contact list first. It's it's crazy. And incoming calls, same thing. What a joke. All right. And you should, uh, what, you should, what about a prank call to the uh, casino with the fumes? And you could be like coughing, <laughs> come down with pneumonia, you're trying to retrace your steps. Have there been any issues there? All That'd right. be pretty funny. Maybe for next week. Yeah, maybe next week we'll call them. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Uh, that, that's a good idea, though. That is a good idea. I'll try to remember to do that. Let's see what else we got here. I think we're almost, we're close to the end. We're close to the end. I, I haven't even checked the ratings. Eh, they're okay. They're not great, but what I expect at this time. So a Missouri bank robber who robbed uh, a bank in January and only got away with a little more than $1,000, but still they gave him uh, special bills that uh, are known as bait bills that are specifically numbered so they can try to identify the person later when they use those bills. Uh, This person used those bills to buy into a poker game and was arrested. So, uh, again, not a very smart criminal. But uh, maybe he thought for a thousand dollars they weren't gonna 
really try to solve this one, but but they did. So this this is what happened with this genius who robbed the poker room or robbed the bank and then decided to go play poker with the money. Uh, Timothy Karpovich from uh, Kansas City, Missouri robbed a bank of uh, $1,052 and the bills he received were a combination of $10 bills and $2 bills. <laughs> you go into a bank to rob it and they can only give you tens and twos. Didn't he think that was odd? Didn't he think that the, the bank would have at least some 20s around? All they have are tens and twos and he accepted that? And the, the reason they gave him these tens and twos was because they, they wanted to track them. That was probably the bait bills they had were the tens and the twos. So, hold up, get all your money. Well, we actually don't have any hundreds or fifties or even fives or ones, but how would you like all our tens and twos? Okay, if that's all you got, give it to me. Like, he doesn't bother to think that a bank would not have anything besides tens and twos on site. Did he think he was like the unluckiest bank robber ever? He really thought the the entire money that bank had there was $1,052 in tens and twos? So that's what he did. And then just hours later, he went to Harris, Kansas City and sat down at a poker game there and bought in with, with these $10 bills. Now, I guess the poker room manager had actually seen his photo somewhere. Maybe on TV, I don't know what, but they had his photo up somewhere. Or he saw it online. That's where he saw it. He saw it online. So he uh, he he called police, and I guess this guy was gone by the time uh, the police got there. But the police looked at the video footage, and they were actually able to match the serial numbers on the cameras. I guess they have better cameras than the Bellagio. Remember how bad the cameras were at the Bellagio when the, when they were, had their robberies there? Uh, it, it, for some reason, at Harris, Kansas City, the camera is so good that they're actually able to see the serial numbers on the bills, which is crazy. And they matched the serial number on those bills with the ones that were taken during that bank heist. And uh, then... While they were inspecting the money that was used to buy in, somehow they found out that uh, he was back in the casino just gambling on the floor somewhere. Not in the poker room, but he's somewhere in the casino. To talk about an easy arrest, uh, they just walked down to the casino and arrested him. So he pled guilty. This occurred in January, but in April he pled guilty. And he had... uh, a possible sentence up to 20 years in prison. Remember, this was an armed robbery. But he was given five years in prison. And, 
I guess overall the bank lost $340. I guess they recovered the rest of the money, but $340 is unaccounted for. So for, for $1,052 of, of tens and twos, he's going to be in prison for five years. Pretty brutal. Callow was just mentioning earlier how stupid criminals are. That this is more evidence to add to the pile. He actually accepts tens and twos as all the money they have. And then uses it to buy into a poker room. How stupid can you be? If you, if you only got a thousand fifty-two, the smart thing at that point is just just hold it and slowly use it. It's not, it's not like you have to launder that money. You can you can just slowly you just hold it and, and use it for food or whatever else. Just basic daily expenses. You'll never be tracked down that way. Don't go buy into poker games with it. Don't don't buy in. Uh, $300 or something and hand them 30 tens when your face is online everywhere for having robbed the bank. Talk about the smoking gun proof. I guess he would have been caught anyway if his picture was everywhere and people recognized him, but he would have helped him a little bit maybe if he didn't have the currency still on him. Boy, he made it easy for him. So yeah, that was at Harris, North Kansas City where this occurred. I have never been there. So finally, I want to talk about Alex Jones and the deplatforming that occurred, where he was banned from all the major online media sites. So, we pretty much have a monopoly in the U.S. Or maybe not an actual monopoly, more of a, I'm forgetting the term, but it's kind of a semi-monopoly where there are uh, just a few different social media and uh, online media companies that are providing all the content. There's Google, which owns YouTube. There's Twitter. There's Facebook. Those are the big three. Instagram is actually owned by Facebook, so that doesn't count. And uh, and then there's also like Apple iTunes for shows or music. It's not really social media, but uh, in this case, it, it uh, plays into the whole thing. So if those platforms kick you off, then it is very difficult to disseminate your show if you're doing some kind of show. Why? Because that's where the audience is. And it's hard to get the audience to move elsewhere. There really isn't an elsewhere. You can run your own website, but people have to remember to go there. When when you're part of one of these large sites, then you put out your new content and it just uh, pushes to those who have followed you. 
they don't have to be actively thinking about finding out what you did next or when your next show is. So the question has been coming up over the years is, do these sites have too much power? If these sites perform acts of censorship, is it going farther than just saying, well, they have the right to do this, they're a private company, they can choose what they want or don't want on their site? Like on Poker Fraud Alert, on the forum, I can decide what content I want or don't want. If there's something I just don't want out there, I can just remove it. And that's fine, it's, it's a private site, I can do it. But the thing is, uh, this is a small site, this isn't a, a, a major source where people are trying to disseminate viewpoints of the internet. So that's not the same thing. But when you have one of the few very large sites out there that people are visiting to receive a lot of their news and information, and when certain sources are censored, then that can be a problem, especially if the censorship is ideological, where they're censoring someone just because they believe certain things that the ownership and management of these media sites do not agree with. So Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist. He's a right-wing conspiracy theorist. He was not that well known until 2011 when he somehow scored this interview with Charlie Sheen when Charlie Sheen was acting like a weirdo and saying winning and all that other stuff. And that kind of put Alex Jones on the map. And a lot more people found him. And he grew in popularity. A lot of Alex Jones' audience are right-leaning political conspiracy theorists. People who are right-wing in their general political ideologies, but they take it a step further to actually believe in these a lot of just crazy conspiracies that Alex Jones pushes. And a lot of these people really do believe what he puts out. A lot of people who listen to Alex Jones really believe the stuff he says. They're not just listening for entertainment. And and the following for Alex Jones has grown over the years. Now, Alex Jones also does some things which really piss people off. And some of that has to do with his conspiracy theories. So... For example, he thinks some of these mass shootings, these tragic mass shootings that have occurred in this country over the last several years, he thinks a lot of these are staged and that the people who are killed or hurt or relatives of those killed or hurt are what are known as crisis actors, that uh, nobody was actually killed, these things didn't actually happen, that it's a big conspiracy to pretend these things happen, that the government put together, so therefore... Uh, they can get laws passed in response to this these events that didn't actually occur. And as you can imagine, this gets people really angry. 
because they feel it's disrespectful to those who died or were injured or who had family members who were killed or injured during these shootings. So, for example, Alex Jones, for a long time, was insisting that the Sandy Hook shootings, uh, that, that was fake. The Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting that took place in uh, December 2012 in Connecticut. And uh, Adam Lanza, who was 20 years old, shot 20 children who were 6 and 7 years old. So one of the more tragic shootings here is the target is such small children. And Alex Jones has been saying that that was not real. It's ridiculous. I don't think there's even the smallest possibility he's right. But that's the type of stuff he says, and people actually believe it. So the social media companies, which are very left-leaning in their politics, they try to pretend that's not true, but it is true. These uh, Silicon Valley-based social media companies. Uh, they've long wondered what to do with Alex Jones. They they know he's very popular. They know he has a big following. They know that uh, removing him from their platform will immediately bring up allegations of censorship. And they want to have the appearance that everybody has a voice. But at the same time, they hated what he was saying. And they really didn't want him on there. And then there were those who felt, who were mad that they weren't censoring him. People who were very, very angry that he was allowed to use these major platforms to deliver these ideas, especially ones that are disrespectful to the victims of of shootings like Sandy Hook. So they were wondering for a while, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? And for quite some time, nobody was taking action. And Alex Jones persisted. On Facebook, on YouTube, which is owned by Google. Uh, He had his show up on iTunes, just like we have our show on iTunes. And Twitter, there as well. And they didn't censor him. They didn't take him off. They're kind of afraid to. They wanted to, but they were afraid to. Well, Apple finally made the first move and kicked him out of the... kicked him off iTunes. You could no longer receive Alex Jones' show as a podcast through uh, iTunes. Well, once that happened, the floodgates opened, and very, very quickly, I believe on the same day, he was banned from Facebook and banned from YouTube. Twitter would not ban him at first. And they took some heat from some people who wanted to see Alex Jones removed. They said, look, all the other companies did it. Why won't you? But uh, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, stood his ground and said no. Uh, This is what uh, Jack Dorsey said on August 8th. He said, we didn't suspend Alex Jones or InfoWars, which is his show yesterday. We know that's that's hard 
for many, but the reason is simple. He hasn't violated our rules. We'll enforce it if he does, and we'll continue to promote a healthy conversational environment by ensuring tweets aren't artificially amplified. We're going to hold Jones to the same standard we hold every account, not taking one-off actions to make us feel good in the short term and adding fuel to new conspiracy theories. So that last line was a, a little shot he took at the competitors at uh, Facebook, Google, and Apple, basically accusing them of what he called uh, one-off actions to make them feel good in the short term. He also said adding fuel to new conspiracy theories, meaning that if they – he feels that if you silence Alex Jones, that it will make it look like that he's right and the deep state is trying to keep people from hearing it. That the worst thing you can do is try to silence a conspiracy theorist because then it makes it look like maybe they're onto something. That's what Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, said on August 8th as to why they were the lone holdout who would not ban him. Well, they changed their mind. They just decided that they are going to remove Alex Jones, and they did so from Twitter, except he's only suspended now. And this is what Jack Dorsey said about Alex Jones being suspended from Twitter. He said, I feel any suspension, whether it be a permanent or a temporary one, makes someone think about their actions and their behaviors. Which is stupid. A, a, there's no such thing as a permanent suspension. That's a ban. A suspension means you can come back. So he goes on to say, we can't build a service that is subjective just to the whims of what we personally believe. We need to look at behaviors. When people are trying to shut down the voices of others, people are trying to harass others, and that's independent of a viewpoint. So I, I don't really understand that last line. It sounds like He's trying to say that Jones is silencing or shutting down the voices of others. Alex Jones can't do that. Alex Jones can project his own voice, but he has no power to shut down others' voices. The power to do that rests in the hands of the big new media, such as Twitter, Facebook, Apple, and Google. They can shut down people's voices, not Alex Jones. Alex Jones is a voice, but he can't shut down other voices. So that's kind of a strange statement. But he did say that they're not attempting to censor him because of what they personally believe, that they're only doing this because he's uh, uh, causing people trying to harass others. Now, what he means by that is that uh, relatives of people who were killed in Sandy Hook, for example have complained that they were getting threats from Alex Jones fans that bad things are going to happen to them for for being part of the conspiracy. And there's been a lot of accusations that Alex Jones is basically inciting his audience to harass these people and, and others that he suspects of something or disagrees with. And that is the justification that all these sites used to shut down Alex Jones's accounts and not allow him to use those platforms to continue to broadcast. So on the surface it sounds like they did the right thing. On the surface they removed this guy who was spreading these these awful accusations that the children at Sandy Hook who were killed and and other people who were victims of mass shootings that the whole thing was fake and set up 
and was getting his fan base so riled up that the fan base was actually angry at those who had uh, appeared on TV grieving for their relatives and harassed them too if they hadn't already been through enough. So you may say, okay, well, the, these services like Twitter and Facebook and iTunes and YouTube, they, they shouldn't be obligated to carry this sort of nonsense. If, if they don't believe that they should be putting out super offensive material like this, uh, they should have a right to kick people off. But here's my problem. My problem is that I don't think this is just going to stop at Alex Jones. I think this is a trial balloon. I think that he's the safest and easiest one to kick off because he's done so many outrageous and crazy things and said so many super offensive things that that everyone can agree, or almost everyone can agree, is, is super reprehensible. So he's someone who you can't really have a sympathy for. He's not a sympathetic character. He's the opposite. He's someone on the right that you really can say has engaged in uh, harmful or hateful speech. Okay? You, you can probably say that about him and be accurate. So he's someone who's hard to defend. He's a good person to start with if these platforms want to remove those who are on the right who have big followings and influential voices. This is a good test case because there's no way it could backfire too badly on them. They can always fall back on the Sandy Hook stuff he's been saying and, and, and other similarly obnoxious viewpoints he's been expressing that have also caused others to receive harassment from Jones's followers. So I'm afraid that what's going on here is that this is kind of a test to see how the public receives it. And if these sites notice that it's much more positive than negative, they're always going to have some positive, some negative. But if they find that the overwhelming response is positive, then they'll probably continue and start removing other right-wing voices, maybe ones that are not anything like Alex Jones, maybe ones that are just uh, very right-wing politically but but don't have crazy ideas about conspiracy theories or that uh, kids who were killed in an elementary school by a shooter are, are crisis actors. So you remove, you remove someone like that, it's not a big deal. You remove someone who's just very opinionated politically to the right and and claim they engaged in hate speech, uh, that's, that's something that would be very concerning. And the problem is the word hate has been thrown around a lot for the last few years, and it's been expanded to mean anything that's right-leaning dissent. So if, if you criticize transgender movements, such as uh, the, the bathroom thing, the bathroom equality thing, uh, that could be considered hate speech. If you criticize militant minority groups like Black Lives Matter, uh, that could be considered hate speech. Even if you say, hey, I support Donald Trump, I like Donald Trump, that could be considered hate speech by some people. Uh, hate speech is such a broad term, and I've seen it used before. I've seen it used on me before, not on Poker Fraud Alert so much, but like on Facebook. I'll be debating with someone, and, and uh, just because I have the right-wing point of view, even though I, I'm not being racist or homophobic or transphobic or anything like that, I'm just debating uh, my viewpoints, they say I'm engaging in hate speech. 
I've seen this so many times. And so that's the problem with this generic hate speech term is it can start being used as justification to remove others who are popular but have dissenting viewpoints from the ownership and management of these large social media companies. And what can eventually happen is that there will not be intellectual diversity on these sites and that anyone who starts to gain too much of a following on the right starts to get popular on the right, one that they may be afraid could start converting people to think a different way, uh, they can find a silly excuse to remove them and pretty much extinguish that threat. Which isn't really a threat, of course. Maybe a threat to their uh, political beliefs. So this has become a problem that while we don't have government-controlled speech, we don't have uh, the government telling us what we can and can't say, what we do have are a few private companies, all of which lean to one political side, that can now decide what content you get to receive. And if it's content they disagree with, then maybe you won't be able to receive it. And if you believe in civil liberties or free speech, you should be outraged by this. And not to say it's okay because they happen to be censoring the side you don't like anyway. I can tell you that I would be upset if it were reversed and there were and the media companies were right-leaning companies that were censoring material from the left. You should never want a situation where dissent is squashed in the major media of the day. And that's what Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, that's what they are right now. They're the major media of the day. That's where people get a lot of their news. That's where people get a lot of their entertainment. That's where people are influenced a lot. And it should be an open platform where everybody can put out what they want to put out within reason. And the people can decide what they want to watch and what they want to believe. But I am worried that these companies have too much power and that they are making decisions based on their ideology. We've already seen other examples of how rules are enforced which seem to indicate, again, a strong bias. And the worst part is they don't admit it. These companies, they they like to say things like, uh, uh, this is an open platform for everyone to express whatever viewpoints they want. And we only censor blatant hate speech. But that's not true. They can say, we don't care about your ideology, we only care about if you're following our terms of service. Again, that's not true. So, this this is bothersome to me, and I don't know the exact solution. There's some who have proposed, let's make these sites government, let's, let's classify these as utilities, as public utilities, where the government will have a say 
but but that still really won't fix it. Really, what what has to fix it? There has to be public outrage about the way these sites are conducting their favoritism and their censorship and all of that. And then there should be public pressure on them to change. And really, the only way that these companies can act fairly is if they start having some more intellectual diversity within their workforce. Start hiring more conservatives. Start putting conservatives more in positions alongside the liberals to evaluate what should and shouldn't be on the platform. But they're not going to do that. In fact, uh, it's very, very hard to move up in any of these companies if you are politically conservative, unless you hide it. It's funny the state we're in now because in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, b- b- back a long time ago, like if you were gay, you'd often have to hide it from people at work, or otherwise they'd perceive you differently, and they'd uh, you, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get promoted. They'd find excuses to fire you. There, there'd be a lot of discrimination against you if you were gay and told people at work. So a lot of times people in certain positions, in certain corporations, they, they would actually hide their sexuality from coworkers and from their bosses so it didn't affect their careers. The funny thing in Silicon Valley, uh, you, you can be so many different things and you'll be accepted. You can be gay, you can be trans, uh, you, you can be any of these supposedly oppressed minority groups and they will not only welcome you with open arms they'll actually want more of you to satisfy quotas they're trying to set so you know so they have as few straight white males or straight asian males as possible but the one thing you can't ever say the one thing you can't ever admit is that you're a conservative because everyone will hate you you won't advance in the company. They'll find flimsy reasons to get rid of you. It's like your dirty little secret if you work in Silicon Valley that you're conservative. You you can't let them find that out. And it shouldn't be that way. It, it should be an environment where it's a mixture of various political ideologies and that uh, when deciding what should or shouldn't be allowed on the platform employees of on both sides of the political spectrum should be consulted and then come up with a consensus and i would be fine if they set some sort of reasonable standard of what was and not was allowed and what's not allowed on these platforms so if they want to make a rule that uh, they're not going to allow uh, the mocking of disasters or conspiracy theories about about disasters that uh, imply that they're fake or whatever you know they make they want to make some rules against this sort of thing and remove people from the platform who engage in this sort of behavior I'd be fine with that I'd also be fine with just removing nothing and if if anyone wants to speak about any kind of well-known issue. I don't mean you should just be able to slander or libel people at will, but but I mean just some, some kind of uh, 
public issue or event, even if it's very tragic. If you know, I, I, my approach would be just let anyone say what they want and let the people decide who they're going to watch. But I, I would understand if they wanted that stuff off the system. But they should put out a very, very clear list of what is and isn't allowed and then stick to it and then enforce it on everybody, not just ones of a certain political persuasion. But apply standards fairly. I'm fine with there being standards. I'm fine with them not being completely open to any kind of speech. I'm, I'm fine with some really outrageous stuff being removed. But it has to be determined in a fair and impartial way. And what I've seen, what I have seen from the left is that they believe themselves to be the rational group of people. They, they believe that they're the rational side and the conservatives are, are the fanatics and the idiots. So they feel, hey, look, we can be rational, we can be logical, so therefore we don't need conservatives here helping make these decisions because we're the rational ones. So we will figure out what is fair and what's not fair to allow on this platform. And and we can put aside our biases. and We don't have any biases. We will figure this out our, on our own. But you can't. It, it's, it's very, very tough when you feel very strongly about something to be rational and fair about it. And that's why you need intellectual diversity to have the proper decisions actually be made. You can't have everybody on one side. So I don't care about Alex Jones personally. I don't even like the guy. So I'm not crying for him. But I am crying a bit for what this means for the future. It does concern me that these companies have become so powerful in a few ways. It concerns me how powerful they are influentially. And yes, this was abused during the last presidential election. But not just by Russians. It was actually abused by uh, both sides, to be honest. A lot of fake news all over the place on these platforms. And then there's also the data issue, the data collection issue. Where your privacy is violated very badly. I found old posts of mine from years ago where I talked about how if you only knew the type of data that's being collected on you by Facebook and how it was being used, that you would be outraged. And this is before the scandals of 2018. This is way before that. But I knew one day there would be a data-related scandal involving Facebook, and sure enough, there was. And I said this years before. I knew it was coming. But you know what else is coming? And it may be happening now. We'll see where the Alex Jones thing goes. We'll see if other less controversial conservatives eventually get banned. 
And, and by the way, this is very uh, collusive. There were, notice all these platforms banned him at once. It wasn't first he gets banned from Facebook, and then months later he does something else on YouTube and gets banned. And then months later he does something else, you know, over on iTunes, and they they remove him too. And that would be a different story. Here they all banned him at the same time, except Twitter, which was like a week behind. So that's really disturbing because it shows that they're all kind of they they all kind of have one mind about the whole thing. So they could start getting together and removing influential conservative voices that they just don't want to have the reach that they do anymore. And don't say, oh, no, that won't happen, that's impossible, there will be too much of a backlash. No, as long as they can frame that that person has committed some sort of hate, then they feel they can justify it and there will be plenty of idiots who will eat it up and not question it including those on the left who believe themselves to be free speech advocates. Now, to be fair, there are some on the left who were against this whole thing. There are some on the left who say this is wrong. They should not have removed Alex Jones. They should not all have gotten together and done it at the same time. That this is a very bad look. That will, in fact, validate Alex Jones' claims all this time that the government wants to silence him. There are free speech advocates on the left who are very unhappy to see this, even though they really dislike Alex Jones. And I respect those people. But I think a lot of people on the left who once were for free speech have become willfully ignorant of what the current big new media is doing. And how they really do want to quietly create a monolithic school of thought where you're only seeing points of view they agree with. And it's very hard or impossible to hear from the other side. And much harder or impossible for the other side to have people who thrive many of the younger conservative stars of today the ones that are very well known talking about people like uh, Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and and Stephen Crowder and uh Laura Southern and all, that, all those names, most of them came. Most of them came to their popularity through these social media sites. And if YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Apple, if they get together to prevent new stars from rising and they silence the old ones, then it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get much of a following if you don't give the, uh, the, the point of view that they want you to give. They've already demonetized a lot of these people on YouTube. 
in an attempt to harm them. I think it's bad, even though this is one of the rare cases where someone gets banned. I think they kind of deserve it, but at the same time, I don't like the implications of it. And I don't like the way that this will be able to be adapted to affect others who definitely don't deserve it. That's why I, I run the Poker Fraud Alert Forum to be mainly a free speech forum. Because I want everybody to be able to express their own opinions. Speaking of expre- expressing opinions, uh, Trader Rooster, are you still around? Uh, I think the Alex Jones talk put him to sleep. I think I'm going to have my own conspiracy. I, 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 oh, you're here. here oh, you're here. You're yeah. here. Yeah. I, you know, I think with Alex Jones, although I'm I'm fading fast, but, you know, he was just so over the top. And, and then I think a bunch of people recently, there was some anniversary for Sandy Hook, and a bunch of people were there yelling at the, um, you know, the families that lost their kids. And I think that's just what pushed them over the edge. You know what I'm missing, though, from these big companies? I haven't heard any of them say anything like, we removed Alex Jones only because of these reprehensible statements he's made about Sandy Hook and just some really awful things he's said and done. That, that uh, That's why we removed him. Nothing to do with his ideology. Uh, all, you know, I know there's been some accusations that people on, the, uh, on, on one political side uh, – may be removed, we guarantee we're never going to do that. Like, I haven't seen a pledge that they're never going to do it. I've seen just kind of just weak statements about uh, hate and terms of service violations. I'm not seeing a promise like, uh, no, we're never removing people for ideology uh, unless they do, you know, really, really awful things. They don't say, like, unless they say really terrible things like Alex Jones has been saying. Like, we're not, we're not seeing that assurance from them, and that's kind of concerning me. That's the, I'm afraid they're using this – I'm sure they really did want to get rid of him. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm afraid they're also using this as a trial balloon to see, okay, well, how is this going to be received? Okay, well, look. No, most people agree with it. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to go after someone else next. We'll, we'll let the smoke die down here, and then next we're going to hit someone else. who We can also point to a few inflammatory statements they made, nowhere near like the Alex Jones statements with Sandy Hook, but we, we can find some inflammatory statements they once made about, uh, you know, about uh, transgender people and, and, and Black Lives Matter and, and paint that as hate and ban them. Like, I, I can just see this yeah. being going in that direction. Well, but I don't think it was because of statements he made. I think it was just him and that they felt he was just inciting violence. Well, yeah, yes. And getting his community go, and they were taking action, showing up at places. Right, but and that's and that's why if 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 uh, it was just this and it was going to stop here, I'd say fine. I'm just afraid it's not going to stop here. I'm afraid this this one was like an, like an easy ban to say, okay, this one. There's so many different ways we can justify it, so we're doing it. And uh, you know, how much can you really say in his defense? But I, I'm just hoping this isn't indicative that this is just the first one, the first step they're taking that's that's really easy, and then moving on to things that might be more controversial. So they, you know, they, uh, there's certain other right-leaning 
uh, current uh, new media stars, if they were to remove them today, it would, it would really create a huge backlash because these people haven't done anything that bad. But but if you slowly ease into it and start to stretch more and more what hate speech is defined as, then it can start to be more and more okay and acceptable to remove these people. And I, I see it. I see people on my Facebook wall who really do believe that... Uh, most of these people in, in, in new conservative media shouldn't have a voice. They should just be removed. That These are just you know hateful bigots, blah, blah, blah. Rem- you know, remove them. That's the only way to save America. I, I've seen this. I've seen a lot of people saying things like this, and I, I can't believe what I'm reading sometimes. And, and I know I would never want that sort of uh, thing happening on the other side either. I, I, I just don't ever like the idea of, of one side being silenced and, and, and uh, either directly or indirectly. And uh, I, I don't think it should be a total free for all. I think that people, you know, if that's why the Alex Jones removal by itself, I think, isn't that bad. But I'm afraid it's being done for the wrong reasons, or at least for partially the wrong reasons. And that's what's, uh, if it really was just a matter of like, ha- what do we do with this one person who's causing so much havoc here? And okay, let's remove him. And and, and his politics had nothing to do with it. Then fine. If his politics had something to do with it, and also something to do with the the removal. Also, had to do with, with his behavior. Then I'm not so fine with that. Or you know, would they have removed someone who was left leaning politically, making these same type of statements? I don't know. But it was it was easy to remove him. I I just worry about this, and I, I really have seen a lot of biases on their part, and. Not, not referring to this, but in some of their other actions that have been alarming me, and especially given their their power to influence people. And with all the complaints about how the Russians influenced the 2016 election, which I believe, but with all those complaints, what we really, we really don't hear much about is what about all the influence that was done internally on the other side? Or done domestically, that they allowed. That you know, the problem is these platforms really have a lot of influence, and now they they have so much influence and so much power that they, if if they start to control too much what we're receiving, then amazingly we start to look like that fictitious world depicted in. Uh, in, in the book 1984, something I never thought would really happen, and it's something that occurs slowly. It's not just one day you wake up and and your freedom of dissent is gone. It's not like that. It's uh, this this is a slow process, and whenever there's some kind of change happening that we're being eased into, I, I've even had this happen in a different way in work settings where. You know, not about politics, but you're you're at work and they 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 want to change a policy uh, regarding something with the workers, and sometimes they'll ease you into it, so they won't. Uh, like let's say there's I'm just making this up. Let's say there's a lot of people who are working at home and they really don't want that anymore. They think that people are just goof, goofing off. They're not getting much done. They they want everybody in the office, but they're afraid to come out and say, okay, effective tomorrow, everybody has to work every day in the office. 
So what they'll start doing is they'll, they'll, they'll sometimes ease people into it. They'll say, okay, well, uh, from now on, a uh, th- minimum of three days a week you have to be in the office. Then it becomes a minimum of four days a week you have to be in the office. Then it has to be uh, uh, a minimum of four and a half days a week you have to be in the office. And, and then eventually working at home is removed. And, and, and by then it's kind of accepted because it, it's been slowly uh, eased out. And I've seen so many examples of this in, in so many ways, and I, and I definitely see the new media companies engaging in behavior like this, where they kind of uh, train you to accept a certain thing that's happening, but they don't drop it on you all at once. And that's that's just what I'm worried about here. And uh, may, maybe in a few years I'll see that this is all for nothing and that they haven't deplatformed anybody else. And that this was really just aimed at Alex Jones and his antics. In that case, I'm fine. I don't think, I think the world will go on just fine with uh, Alex Jones not being on these platforms. I just hope it doesn't mean what I think it could mean. And I don't know why these companies can't just uh, try to introduce some ideological diversity in their own workplaces. I think they benefit from it. I think it would address a lot of the concerns people have about them. But they just don't want it. They just think conservatives are evil. We don't want them among us. And it's uh, it's, it's the wrong approach. It's the wrong approach. The right approach is to understand the other side and to, to be amongst them and to understand the the other side are are humans also and that they have their reasons for thinking the way they do and the reasons usually are not evil. That's the right way to go about it, not just uh, casting a large portion of the population as as being either evil, stupid, ignorant, selfish, etc. and putting yourself on the moral high ground. So, that's it. That's it for this... uh, this week's show. Apologies again for our little hour delay. If you're in the archives, then there was no delay. Regarding the free roll, we will get it back when we get it back. I'll talk to Billy Buster, see how long he expects it'll take. If it is going to be a long time. By the way, someone keeps calling here. I can't take calls. I've explained this so many times. I hate when people, I hate when I, I'm clear that we can't take calls and I still get like hammered with calls. We, so I'll try to fix that too. I'll try to fix the uh, Skype call receiving situation. If if I can't, I'll just go back to the old Skype for as long as I can. But soon enough, they're going to prevent that and force me onto an upgrade. But I'll, I'll, by next week, I'll at least have that fixed in some way. The poker room, I don't know. That's up to Belly Buster. But if he can't get it fixed soon, then I'll see if I can temporarily get it and run it myself. No promises, but I it does bug me a bit that the free roll's gone. So I don't want it gone for too long. Amazon Alexa has made a change you should know about. If you listen to Poker Fraud Alert Radio through Amazon Alexa, they have changed one thing to where if you want to hear the live show... You used to be able to say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio, and it would just play the live show. 
or the streaming rerun. Basically, whatever's on the call to listen line at the moment, that's what it would play. But that no longer works. If you say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio, either it will give you an error or it'll play the last archived episode. So the only way to listen to the live show or the streaming reruns is to say, Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio on TuneIn. You've got to add the words on TuneIn if you want to hear the whatever is being broadcasted live or in the streaming reruns. If you want to listen to the archive, you still say the same thing. Alexa, play Poker Fraud Alert Radio podcast. I don't know why they made this change, but that's what they did. They didn't inform me either. I had to figure it out for myself. But hey, at least you can use Alexa to listen to the show. At least you can do that. All right, anything else, Trader Risky? I will take the silence to mean no. So thank you, everybody, for listening this week. We'll be back next week on Wednesday, and the following week on Wednesday, we're going to go Wednesday, 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 Wednesday for quite some time. At least as long as I, I can manage that. And and hopefully I can manage to lose some weight. I'm just on the first day of it, but hopefully I can drop some weight and I'll have good news to report. I know you probably don't give a crap, but uh, it matters to me. Got to make it happen. So that's it. And if you, if you want to lose weight, my advice to you from someone who successfully lost weight once <laughs> is that uh, just figure out what works for you. What works for you may not be the same as what works for others or has worked for others. Don't let others tell you the way you should do it. You can take suggestions, but don't let anyone tell you the way you have to do it or should do it. Do the way you think will be most successful for you and something you can live with. It would be just great if you could just eat whatever you want and never gain any weight. I would love that. I used to be that way. I used to to have that ability many years ago. Not anymore, and those days will never come back. But this show will come back a week from today. Thank you for listening, whether in the archives or the first portion live or the second portion live. And I I forgot to turn on the music. I forgot to turn on the music. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play a little bit of different music this time. I did this once before, but I'm going to do it again. There we go. The Jeffersons, instead of All in the Family. Still a Norman Lear show. In fact, it's a spinoff of All in the Family. This is actually the extended version. I bet you never heard these lyrics before. This is the end song, kind of a, with a with a theme songs lyrics. They only played the uh, instrumental viewer version of the closing credits.
This is where they started. This is where it would start every time. They'd run the closing credits. There's no closing credits on this show. I guess I can, I can thank uh, Calwatt and Trader Risky for being part of it tonight. Thank you to the people who donated to the free roll that we couldn't use. And that's all, people. Talk to you next week. Shalom.